Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, gang? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you on a packed show today with lots to get to, both uh, on the ice and, of course, off the ice. Speaking of the ice, tough one last night in Game 3 of the Western Hockey League Championship Series. Dropping a 6-3 decision to the Seattle Thunderbirds. They're right back at it tonight. Another 9 p.m. game. You can watch it on TSN. Dan Robertson with the call. Uh, But the big news coming out of last night was not anything to do with what's happening on the ice. It was uh, the vote in Tempe, Arizona. Another crushing blow to the future of the Coyotes in Arizona, and this one might be the final death blow. We'll get to that, and Greg Wyshynski from ESPN is going to join us first up today in about 20 minutes. We'll also have Scott Billick. Interested to hear what Billick has to say about that franchise, the situation the NHL is in, and, of course, more on all the uh, storylines surrounding the Winnipeg Jets as they get into this offseason, and uh, plenty of scuttlebutt around the league outside of this market on player movement involving guys that wore Winnipeg Jet jerseys last year. So we'll have Wyshynski and Billick on, focusing on hockey, and then a little later on, Andrew Collier, GM of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, gets Russ ready for the Friday home opener for the Fish. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this one. A conversation with Winnipegger Jack Tadman, who is, who will be representing Canada at the upcoming World Pinball Championships. Uh, told you, we hit all the sports here on WST. So a buckle up, should be a great show. We're going to get right into it, but just... Before we do, a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Our friends at CoolBet, Princess Auto, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports, BP, Little Brown Jug, Aikens Lake, Breezy Ben, Nick and Nikki DQ, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, Assiniboia Downs, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, and Modern Man Barbershops. Uh, Let's get Michael Remus in here. And Remo, I guess before we do anything on the program and get in, we got to give a shout out to uh, so many WSTers that we got a chance to say hi to last night at a great time over at TransCanada Brewing, hosted by our pals Kenny and Rennie. The year ender bender was a big hit. And uh, man, it just goes to show the support that we and KNR and Illegal Curve have had in the new digital space. Uh, what a fun time that was last night. What an event, and shout out to Sean Reynolds, who organized it and kept track of all the invites. Um, I think it's been basically a second job for him since the season ended, making sure everyone who wanted a ticket <laughs> got one. And it was I pulled up 7.30. It was absolutely packed in there. I know people showed up right at 6, and you couldn't even get a, get a seat. So I think it speaks to the support that we've had here, Kenny and Rennie, Illegal Curve, um, and, yes, the Winnipeg Digital the sports media space. Um, love seeing the support from everyone. I love seeing everyone else, you know, uh, coming out. Mike McIntyre, Ted Wyman, Jeff Hamilton, John Liu was there. Sarah Lesky, Mitch Clinton, Scott, you know, a number of local media. And it's, it's, I thought it was great seeing everyone, you know, talking about the Jets or, or whatever. And, you know, people coming up to me, having conversations. Uh, it was awesome. So I, I hope we do that again next year. Great event. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the pizza and the drinks, too, were, were good as well. Oh, yeah. No, listen, everything was great. And it was good to get you out. You're normally a recluse that uh, doesn't get out in public very often. People got a chance to see that you're a real person. That was nice. And uh, obviously, we had a chance to speak with 
with so many that are back in chat right now that there are usually with us on the program. No, it really was fun. And yes, everyone wanted to talk about what's happening with the Jets, who's getting traded. Uh, <laughs> essentially, just a extension of what has been dominating many of our conversations here on the program as of late. But Remo, the big story today, and I, I mean, folks, I don't want to peel the curtain back too much, but if you could have seen the look on Michael Remus's face when our pal, the original, the OG, caller number one, Gregory Liverpool, showed up and put a phone in our face with the results of the Tempe vote, um, I guess you were just knowing that this was going to be a large-scale content opportunity for uh, for us, and there's some special interest in this situation here in Winnipeg as opposed to other places, but... Uh, it did not go the Coyotes' way. And as we're going to be talking with Greg Wyshynski, there is a very real possibility that not only may the Coyotes move, but it could happen in very quick fashion, much like the Winnipeg Jets moving to um, here from Atlanta in 2011. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to having Greg on uh, in about you know 15 minutes or so and because he did some great reporting. And yeah, they had this vote. We touched on it yesterday. In Tempe, do they want to vote yes or no on this arena proposal? And they voted no. The citizens of Tempe, I think, uh, rejected the Coyotes, rejected the owner. They didn't want to get into business with him, and and it was firmly a no vote. And now they're scheduled to play in Mullet Arena next year. We know it's, what, like four or 5,000 seat arena, and they're going to have to look for Plan B. I'm sure they already have a number of Plan Bs in motion. There was a tweet from... But the Salt Lakes, not Salt Lake City, the Utah Jazz owner, uh, Ryan Smith, like a month ago, saying someone tweeted out, you said this to me, Stanley Cup playoffs always delivers, please bring this to Utah. And then he tweeted in motion. So I don't know what that means. Maybe Greg has some more insight. Andy Strickland today tweeting, they were looking at Salt Lake, Salt Lake City. But we know how, how much they love Arizona. They love the desert. They want to keep them there. But... Um, seems like time is finally running out for the Coyotes um, as the citizens of Tempe, you know, vote no to keep them there. And I'll, I'll go on and on. Sorry, sorry, Huss. Just, I mean, you have to think that just the fact that the team has been not competitive, they haven't tried to win, they take on dead contracts, and you had all this negative press with the owner uh, about not paying taxes and, um, you know, not employee, paying his bills. Yeah, employee. Yeah, and employee morale there. I mean, I, this and that was what the the campaign to vote no pushed for when voting for it. As there were there were two campaigns, and I'll and Frank Cervalli reported that what the no campaign was spending a ton of money, and the Coyotes were knocking on doors. Which I don't know how efficient that is in in twenty twenty three, Huss. Yeah, uh, you know, it, listen, there was a discrepancy. I believe part of the reason that there was a more organized no campaign um, certainly was the business history of Coyote's ownership and the way that they have dealt with stakeholders and partners in the market. I don't think there was any sort of trust there. Uh, as well as this proposed new building, there was no assurances that they'd be working with the local unions, and I think that really hurt them as well. Uh, it was a devastating night for anyone that, you know, has, uh, has invested in hockey in the desert. And uh, no one has been behind that more than the commissioner of the National Hockey League, Gary Bettman. Bettman had a very, very brief statement after the vote. The National Hockey League is terribly disappointed by the results of the public referenda regarding the Coyotes Arena project in Tempe. 
we are going to review with the Coyotes what options might be going forward. And it's pretty clear what that option is, Reem. Uh, it's relocation. And the names that we've already heard right now, Salt Lake City, which, uh, to be honest, wasn't one that I had really heard much before last night. And then the two most obvious opportunities would be Houston, another massive TV market, metropolitan market in the United States. You got the rivalry basically ready to go with Dallas, staying in the Central Division. And then the other is Kansas City. And Kansas City is interesting because they do have the, I believe now it's called the T-Mobile Center. It was the Sprint Center when they opened it. But a nice building that seats 17,000 people does not have a main tenant. I mean, there's no NBA game. There's no NBA team. And Kansas City is an unbelievable sports city that has supported hockey in the past, both at the American Hockey League level and now in the East Coast League, uh, but obviously not at that arena and on that scale. Uh, you know, the Chiefs have incredible support as Super Bowl champs. The Royals win a championship every 30 years and suck the other 29, uh, but they're still very well supported. And <clears throat> I do think that that is another spot that uh, they could end up. I know there's a lot of people uh, that will mention Quebec. Uh, I, I don't really think Quebec is an option. I mean, uh, unfortunately for our friends uh, out there in uh, in the province, they just, <clears throat> I mean, the uh, basically it doesn't seem like they've got enough corporate support and corporate funding to be able to make it happen. That's certainly a challenge here in Winnipeg, and it would be as well as in Quebec and um, you know, I know there's a lot of people that, you know, that'll drop the Gary Bettman hates Canada. You won't get that as much here because Gary, Gary Bettman was absolutely crucial in getting the NHL back here to Winnipeg. And I saw Bryn Griffiths uh, talk about how Bettman was so integral in making sure the Edmonton Oilers didn't become the Houston Oilers in 1997. It was really that close. But the bottom line is, Reem, they've done this over and over again. This really did seem like it was last chance. They've been playing in this ridiculously small arena, waiting for this day to get a green light to build something that would be a home for at least 30 years, would change hockey in the desert. They got a flat-out no and now it is on to plan B. And don't think for a second that Gary Bettman wasn't ready with plan B, plan C, plan D, if it did go the way that it went last night. Yeah, the one thing about this statement that they put out yesterday, um, Greg Wyshynski pointed this out on Twitter, that they didn't say we are committed to Arizona working for, you know, going forward. It's we're going to review mm-hmm. our options. And if they were to stay in Arizona, seems like, the most likely place would be to try to talk to the new owner of the Phoenix Suns and be like, hey, can we share a building? And Elliot Friedman on 32 Thoughts was suggesting because the NHL likes to have the owners of the teams own the building, try to broker a sale to him and retrofit it to put in a hockey rink. I mean, I don't know what, how feasible that is, that is, but uh, maybe that's something they have a con- con- contingency plan underway. And as far as, um, oh, man, I lost my train of thought there. I was going to say, as far as, oh, I don't know. I, I lost well, it there. <laughs> I, I, had, I had a whole thing, and then I got, couldn't say contingency, and boom, all disappeared. I got nothing. Well, you know, I mean, and as I said, we're going to get more of this from, uh, from Wish in a few minutes um, because he has said that the NHL, and this is just in the last hour, uh, they're going to figure out next steps for this team soon. He doesn't believe that Alex Murillo has a desire to own the team anywhere but Arizona. 
Uh, and he did say he wonders if ultimately it's another year at mullet before finding a new owner if one doesn't immediately step up. But to be honest, Reem, if it is a done deal, this team is leaving, the sooner the better. Uh, and it's not just the National Hockey League that'll feel that way. It's the NHLPA that will feel that mm. way. There's a number of people inside the NHLPA that have thought this was a joke, that this has gone as long as it has been, because there's, you know, HRR. They split the revenue. And when you are at such a deficit when it comes to selling tickets in a ticket-driven league, that certainly does, um, you know, affect the bottom line right now. And if they know that it's done, it's time to make this move. And uh, the next couple weeks are going to be fascinating uh, because, of course, if you recall, what day is it today? Today's the 17th of May. I believe the Brunt report came out on the 19th of May. And the official announcement <clears throat> and press conference here was before the end of the month. So basically, these next two weeks are going to determine the future of the Coyotes long-term, but especially in the short-term for next season. Yes, right after I stopped talking, I remembered I was going to say the timeline when the Jets moved in 2011, you took the words right out of my mouth. And so I'm assuming they had plan B. Okay, what are we going to do when those wheels are in motion? And uh, what Elliot Friedman mentioning on 32 Thoughts today, Salt Lake City, Sacramento, Kansas City, and Houston, if they relocate. And I think I said this already, that Andy Strickland of the Cam and Strick podcast, he's pretty plugged in, tweeted, what did he say? Uh, was Salt Lake City appears to be the focus for the Coyotes internally among hockey ops. And yeah, a lot of questions for players and for signings and for free agency. I mean, how are you going to attract a free agent if you don't know where you're playing or if you're playing in this mullet arena facility? Um, and then there's a lot of questions, I mean, for them, about like Logan Cooley, <laughs> their top draft pick from last year, would he want to come out of college to play in a smaller, <laughs> smaller home <laughs> arena? I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, these depends players what are, his NIL deal is. Yeah, these players are making so much money and call. Is it mo worth more than an ELC of what eight hundred thousand or whatever it is plus bonuses? So that's you know the on what happens with the team going forward. And there were some some other tweets last night. Clayton Keller, Coyotes star forward, weighing in. Did you know what emoji this was that he tweeted? Yeah, you, like, it's the uh, that's like the sad defeated one, you know, where you kind of close your eyes and you you know bow your head a little is? bit. Is that what that is? Yeah, Here's the emoji. So I I didn't know what this emoji is trying to convey. I don't know. It's like he's got an eyebrows. So I put my mouse over it, and it says you can't see it on the stream, but it says pensive face. Do you know what pensive? Pensive, a pensive you know what, mood. Do you know what pensive means? I had to Google that. Well, I mean, I do, I do, but again, I think it's more resignation, disappointment. It's, this is what it, it says: engaged in involving or reflecting deep or serious thought. So, <laughs> sure. Well, I, I know, and wishes, you know, had talked to a number of people from uh, the Coyotes organization and former players who were all devastated by this. I think everyone knows what this means. Meanwhile, my guy, Mayor Q. Quinton Lucas in Kansas City tweeted out this morning, good morning, Kansas City surrounds and Gary Bettman. So a, a shout out from the uh, mayor of KC to the commissioner, letting them know they're ready to talk. Actually, perfect time to uh, drop a why not question of the day for our friends over at Not Autocorp at Waverly and McGilvery. 
in the chat uh, of the cities that we have mentioned that are seemingly possibilities for the Arizona Coyotes, where would you like to see them move? Uh, you can include Quebec if you'd like, although I don't think that's happening. Houston, Kansas City, Salt Lake City, all possibilities that we've heard. Hit us up in the chat and let us know what you think. Uh, as we mentioned, <clears throat> Mashinsky is going to join us very shortly. So let me give a big thanks to our friends at Modern Man Barbershop for jumping on board with WST. Uh, before we bring Greg in, Modern Man Barbershops now have eight locations in Winnipeg, including the newest locations on Pamina Highway, where we went to the grand opening a couple weeks ago, and Plessy Road with a grand opening planned in the next little while. Uh, Modern Man Barbershops offer a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Book your look via modernmanbarber.com. Follow them on Instagram as well, <clears throat> at Modern Man Barber Shops. Uh, hey, why do not make 2023 the year you take the plunge with Aquatech? Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And with thousands of renovations <clears throat> as their foundation, let Aquatech... <clears throat> Excuse me. Thousands of rentals is their foundation. Let Aquatech upgrade any space in your home. Uh, they've got, they're ready to make your rental dreams a reality with thousands of rentals as their foundation. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. <clears throat> Donnie and the gang at Manitoba Battery are busy, busy right now with spring here. It's time to get those motorcycles out and let the good times roll. And this grass is growing and it's going to need to be cut. If you need a motorcycle battery, the uh, gang of Manitoba battery can get you hooked up with the right fit for you at the best price. And if you need a lawn tractor battery, you can get one with 280 cranking amps for 42 bucks. When you return your core, that same battery's $30 more at the big box stores. And don't forget, not only does Manitoba battery have the best price, but by far the most convenient when you spend more than 60 bucks, they'll bring it right to your door anywhere in Winnipeg for free. Learn more online at manitobabattery.com or pop by and see them down at 1026 Logan Avenue. And a big cheers to the gang down at Canadian Club, getting ready for Blue Bomber season and getting back to IG Field. We'll get to tomorrow Bomber Training Camp in the next couple days. But right now, we'll, uh, if you don't want to wait until IG Field is back open for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, as, of course, Canadian Club's the official spirit of the blue and gold. Get on down to your Manitoba Liquor Marts uh, and get ready for May Long Weekend with the best in Canadian Club products. And, of course, if you're at the beer vendor, you can also grab CC and Gingers, now available in 473 milliliter cans. Uh, and a big shout-out to our friends at Assiniboia Downs. Darren Dunn's going to join us to tee up the live racing season which begins on Monday, and it looks like it's going to be potentially 30 degrees and sunny for opening day at the track. We'll talk to Double D tomorrow, Kirk Contois with hopefully another winner for the Preakness on Friday, and then make your plans for Monday for the first night of live racing out at Assiniboia Downs. Um, all right, Greg Wyshynski of ESPN coming up in just a few minutes. Remo, looking at the, uh, the chat... Uh, there's Saskatoon Coyotes from Chris Westland. Doesn't think that is going to be the case. Uh, Blue Cat Animation says Bettman doesn't like the Canadian teams. Uh, 
bad take, Blue Cat. I think that's been proven wrong, especially considering we're here talking about an NHL team back in Winnipeg. Uh, the yeah, Yellow Knife don't think that is going to happen. Um, which state has the better tax situation, Texas or Missouri, Kansas? Ah, great question, Bart. I'm going to say probably Houston because I don't think there's any state tax there, but I'm not sure it's very far off uh, when it comes to what's happening in uh, Missouri. Uh, Remo has the chat, uh, the the, uh, question of the day for Not All Corp up right now with where should the Coyotes relocate? I am am partial to KC, Remo. There's obviously personal reasons. Got lots of friends down there, spend a lot of time there. It would be a hell of a great spot to do a road trip. I mean, you just get to Pemina Highway and drive for 11 hours and you're in Kansas City. A little longer than the trip to the Twin Cities, but about the easiest drive around. And man, just thinking about getting a chance to see the Jets play in KC on the same weekend as uh, the Chiefs are at home. be a pretty awesome road trip. Uh, I do understand, though, why Houston is definitely on the target. as such a massive, massive metropolis and one of the biggest cities in the United States, certainly with the population base to support a team, even if it's not a traditional hockey market. Yeah, and the, the history goes back in hockey in Houston, you know, Houston Arrows, and they've supported the AHL for a while. I, I've said Houston. It's it's close. You gotta, you'll have a natural rivalry with the Stars. Uh, I think that could work. Utah, warming up to, I don't know a lot about it, but it seems like the wheel, as Andy Strickland tweeted, the wheels are in motion. You would have, uh, they're close to Vegas. And we hear so much complaining about travel. And if you put them in the, what the, you know, Pacific Division, they're close to the California teams, Vegas. Um, You know, they're just north of Arizona. So I don't know. I think Utah, Salt Lake City would be interesting. And now they're going to have a new arena the Olympics are coming back there, so maybe that is something that would work. But I, I do for, wonder yeah. about, and I'd have to look on a map. But I mean, I know Salt Lake City is quite west, mind you. So is Phoenix, and I mean they were in yeah. the Central Division. So uh, I'm not sure that changes. Certainly, Kansas City and Houston in the Central Time Zone fit the best with right now where the Central Division is and the teams that are in it right now, and. You know, both would have a natural rivalry built in right away. Houston with the Dallas Stars. And I got to tell you, the Kansas City-St. Louis rivalry, um, you know, it's lost a little bit of its luster in the majors with the Royals being really poor for a long time outside of that run in 2015 to the World Series. And, of course, they used to have a preseason game, I think, just about every year between the Chiefs and the Rams. Well, the Rams are now the Los Angeles Rams, and uh, St. Louis has an XFL team. So that hockey rivalry going down uh, the, uh, the, I think it's I-90 in between KC and St. Louis, um, would be would be something I think would be a real benefit to the St. Louis Blues as well as KC. But um, Salt Lake City is really interesting, Reem, because that is not a team that I think we are not a, a spot that, you know, had really been rumored very much for expansion, you know, when they were talking about teams or even relocation. Um, but as we've said, there's a lot of things that have happened behind the scenes. And that tweet from the owner of the Utah Jazz was real interesting, kind of coming to light after everything that happened last night. Quite clear that they've put their hand up as a potential option for the National Hockey League. Yeah, Darren Dreger tweeted this morning. Nice to see Dreger 
weighing in. He says many things to consider relating to the Coyotes news. Could the Suns owner, Matt Ishbia, have interest in buying the Coyotes and moving them downtown? That might be ideal, ideal, although the building would obviously need a hockey renovation. And then he added in Utah Jazz owner Ryan Smith has publicly expressed interest in an NHL team. Could Salt Lake City become a relocation target? The fees would be significant. We do remember the Jets had to pay a relocation fee as well. And then looking even more down the road, that would leave Houston and Atlanta as potential expansion areas down the road, much larger expansion dollars. And yeah, we've heard recently what Kevin Weeks eyeball tweet with pictures of Atlanta people wanting to build an arena there. So um, lots to consider. And yeah, I mean, we talk about how well these expansion teams are doing. Vegas in the conference final, Seattle going to a game seven of round two. Really easy for the NHL to go to some other city, be like, hey, give us uh, another 800 mil and you'll be in, you'll be in the conference final in two years or you'll be a game <laughs> away. So we'll, we'll see. And it, it's kind of sad that Quebec... You know, I saw a comment from Larry in chat how you know the Coyotes wasted the last 20 years with trying to get an arena in Glendale where nobody went to away from their core fan base. If they would have just moved them to Quebec, like how much money um, did they miss out on if they would have just done that a long time ago? I'll say this. I'm not really a believer in the Quebec market. And this goes back to the 90s when we here in Winnipeg were doing everything we could to save our team there was like 500 people out trying to do it in Quebec city. Like, I think we just assumed it's cause it's Canadian. I mean, half the people there are Habs fans. Um, they do have, I mean, there's a couple of big companies there and they did build a beautiful rink. I mean, that is one thing I, I believe they were sort of planning on, you know, making a real push for a national hockey league team with the, uh, with the building that they built there. Um, but certainly from a league perspective, <clears throat> I'm not sure that they feel that they can count on the support. Probably fan-wise, I'd imagine they'd be able to do at least for a while. Um, but I will say this: the um, you know corporate support is is a big, big thing, and 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 it's a big part of you know what's happening here in Winnipeg and trying to engage those uh, those fans now are those companies. It, it, it's happening in a little bit of a different way because, of course, the drive to thirteen thousand happened, uh, and they did it in a way that really was fair. I mean, if you had moose tickets, you were able to get seats. Other than that, they went on sale at a certain point and everyone was trying to get some. But what it did create was a market, essentially, like here in Winnipeg, of 85% of the season tickets were held by fans and only 15% in corpor corporate. That needs to change. And that certainly, I think, would be a real challenge for Quebec City. Uh, all that being said, though, uh, I think we've got the wish man here. And uh, what a perfect day. I thought we were just going to be talking about trade rumors and or is Devils going to take a run at Connor Hellebuck? But sort of a bigger story right now. Let's welcome in Greg Wyshynski from ESPN uh, to talk all things NHL. Wish, what's going on? How are you? And thanks for doing this. Well, I'm going to give you some breaking news in one moment. Okay, here we go. So let me give you the breaking news that I am just breaking now on the old Twitter machine. Uh, let's let's slow our, our relocation uh, roll down a little bit. Uh, NHL Commissioner Bill Daly has told me that he does not envision a scenario in which the Coyotes are not playing at Mullet Arena for the 2023-24 season. 
and the Coyotes have just confirmed that with me as well. So uh, we can have our relocation dreams running rampant for uh, two years from now. Houston, Salt Lake, Quebec City, what have you. But for next season, the NHL and the Coyotes both tell me that it's Mullet Arena for the uh, team. Interesting. And, you know, I mean, the timing of this, I mean, to move a team is, I mean, there's so much that goes into it. And we more than anyone know how the work that took to get the Winnipeg Jets up and going in just a few months certainly is daunting. That being said, Wish, um, this has been a a saga that we've talked about before that has sort of been in some ways a black cloud for the National Hockey League for decades. How devastating was that vote last night by the people in Tempe? And and did it catch the National Hockey League off guard? I mean, were they expecting (laughs) that this was going to be going finally the way they wanted it to? Well, listen, you you know nothing catches Gary Bettman off guard. Uh, That guy already has probably several irons in the fire regarding what next steps are. But the Coyotes do not have a plan B. I mean, this was it. This was the major swing at trying to find an arena and find the entertainment district that Alex Morello, their owner, had been searching for to build a casino uh, and maximize his potential to create revenues for that team. Uh, This was it. And they moved Bullet Arena under the auspices of trying to get this deal done. Uh, All of it hinged on it. And I got to tell you that when you talk about surprises, they thought they had this in the bag, man. (laughs) Like uh, They thought they had a a 10-point advantage heading into the vote yesterday. Uh, they were scheduling their CEO, Javier Gutierrez, to do all this media today. Uh, he hasn't done any of it, including with me, um, because they expected the, the vote would pass. And why it didn't is is going to be an interesting story in sort of the autopsy of all of this. I think one thing that really worked against them was voter turnout. Uh, they had a high number of voters, uh, 65 and older that turned out for this thing. And if you're 65 and older, chances are you're not voting for the hockey team casino combination. You were talking, you were voting for don't give billionaires tax breaks. You're voting for don't make more traffic congestion in my city. That was one thing they didn't anticipate. The other thing I I think they they didn't anticipate was just how organized the opposition was going to be. The opposition had, you know, funding above a million dollars. Their signs were everywhere. I visited Tempe. I was really blown away by how loud the opposition was even at the beginning of the season to this deal. And I thought, I think the Coyotes genuinely believed that their message about spending $1.9 billion of their own money to transform a landfill into this like arena district was going to resonate more than it did. And uh, they, they were in shock last night. They, they certainly thought they had this in the bag. You know, uh, there's been plenty of reports about the way the Coyotes have done business in that market um and i think there's a at least a part of the population you know believes that the the people owning and running that team are a little greasy um was there a concern about who they were getting into bed with well no that's that's part of it um you know so the there's two two things on that one is obviously like the idea that part of the gig is a casino i think probably made some people a little bit oogie about it Um, And then the Alex Morello of it all definitely played a little bit into that. I mean, not so much who he is um, and how he's made his money, but all of the stuff that happened in Glendale. I mean, it wasn't simply just the Glendale City Councils being like, we don't want you to play in the arena anymore. It was you defaulted on these payments and you did this and you did that. And the Coyotes have explanations for all of this stuff, but 
it doesn't necessarily resonate when you have the tonnage of, of reports about previous financial problems with the team. And, you know, when you go to make the promise of, okay, we're going to spend this amount of money, the city will only have to pay this amount of money. If there's any problem with the project, we'll shoulder the financial burden. I think there's probably a little bit of a trust factor involved uh, in that as well. And, and, and the voters maybe not, not buying it. Uh, Greg Wyshynski is with us from ESPN, who's just broken the news. It looks like the Coyotes will stay at Mullet Arena this season, both from uh, Bill Daly and from the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, that doesn't change the fact, Greg, that this is not a long-term solution for this club, especially without a home going forward. Um, it was interesting to see Salt Lake City mentioned as a potential relocation spot. Houston, Kansas City up there as well. I mean, let's assume that at some point this is not getting resolved and they will go elsewhere. How would you rank the suitors for what could be basically a lame duck team? Well, they're going to go elsewhere. I mean, they don't have a plan B. Uh, this was this was an all-in proposition for them, and I, and I, I do think that the, the next year is going to be spent finding their next place for them to go. Um, I would say Houston is the obvious front runner. They were from the moment the vote totals were counted. Uh, the owner of the Houston Rockets has expressed interest in having an NHL tenant in his building, but that's part of the problem is that if the NHL did go to Houston for the first part of its existence, uh, it would be a tenant in somebody else's building, would not reap all the benefits that a team would have if it had its own arena, for example. Would he be interested um, in buying a team? In, he is, yeah, for sure. They, they, he's expressed interest in having ownership of an NHL team and, and having that be part of the portfolio of that building. Um, same deal in, 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 in Salt Lake City, basically. The owner of the Jazz owns the arena. The interesting wrinkle there is that Salt Lake City is expected to get the Olympics within the next decade. And the notion is that the Delta Center with the Jazz play, it was built in 1991. I mean, it's like, you know, the Jurassic era in arena age, right? <laughs> so like uh, the notion is that if they get the Olympics, that they're going to be building a new arena for the Jazz and for all those events. And if that's the case, then obviously it could be built more towards hockey usage. They they can put hockey in the arena they have there now. It seats about 14,000 for hockey, but it's not the most aesthetically pleasing thing. Uh, so you might need to kind of have something new come down the pike in a few years. Kansas City's building has been hockey ready for well over a decade now. I mean, they've you know angled to try to get some of these relocating teams to come there. You know, they flirted with the Penguins back when the Penguins were in financial trouble. Like, um, they've been ready for a team. But I, I, I just feel like the NHL, for whatever reason, isn't as high on that market as they are on Houston, for one, because it's the fourth largest market in the U.S. And Salt Lake City, I think they really like the fit there, the demos there, the, the culture of hockey there. Um, but again, the problem is now you have a relocating team versus an expansion team. The financial uh, rigmarole when it comes to relocation is a lot different than we're seeing for expansion fees for places like Seattle and Vegas. So would you rather move the Coyotes someplace like Salt Lake City where you may not be able to find an owner that could you know, break the bank to bring a team there uh, and save Houston for expansion? I don't know. We'll see. And Al, you know, if you're, a, if you're an owner, you, you want an expansion team more than you want a real team. I mean, my God, the way they set these teams up now, you got Seattle playing in the conference semis, Vegas going to the conference final and the Stanley Cup final their first season. 
I mean, you'd rather have an expansion team at this point, I think, in this league. <laughs> no doubt. Um, Quebec City is always mentioned. Uh, you know, I mean, I guess depending on who you talk to, it's realistic. Some people say it's not. It doesn't seem like there's the corporate support there that they would need. I mean, uh, is it a pipe dream that uh, Quebec could be in the mix on this? It's not a pipe dream. It's just one of those deals where there's never really been palpable enthusiasm from the NHL to put a team there. Um, that goes back to the Vegas expansion when when Quebec did submit a bid and were the runners up to Vegas and and you had the NHL basically not going with the bid. They didn't even I don't think submit a, I don't think they submitted a bid for the Seattle round of expansion. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think ultimately what the NHL wants to do is grow more fans. Like that has been the modus operandi for Gary Bettman for decades. And I think there's a notion of if you go to Quebec city, you're going to be able to fill the building. You're going to have a lot of passion, um, but you're not really making new hockey fans. You know what I mean? You're getting older hockey fans that are already hockey fans to come to the games. Um, and so, you know, I, I think, It'll always be there because if you can't find anyone else to take this team off your hands, you know that they'll have a home in Quebec City. But I think what the NHL wants to do is go to, you know, Salt Lake City or Houston and and try to make more more hockey fans than just reaffirm the ones that they have. No, it certainly. But the uh, Winnipeg things, you know, Winnipeg was a different deal because like Atlanta was done. Like nobody owned the, could no, nobody wanted to own the team. Their arena situation was done. They knew they knew Winnipeg was ready to roll and and ready to roll in short order. That was the other thing too. I talked to a source today about the timing of a potential relocation before I, I broke the story, and they're like, you know, Winnipeg was ready. <laughs> like like Board of Governors approved it like a week later they announced it, and they knew that they'd have a sellout on on day one. You don't have that in Houston, and you don't have that in San, Salt Lake City. Like you don't know what that market looks like. Uh, so it's a very very different situation than when the Thrashers relocated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whether it's KC or whether it's Houston, I mean, it can be the best market. I mean, just the infrastructure of an organization to sell the tickets, to organize it all, never mind everything on a hockey operations side, certainly uh, quite different. Um, Greg, I I, I didn't think we'd be spending as much time talking about the Coyotes today uh, because (laughs) there's a lot of intrigue around the Winnipeg Jets. I just want to move over to the offseason for a minute. I know we're focusing on the Final Four right now, that are still competing for the Stanley Cup. Um, but, man, there has been plenty of trade speculation really right from the final game of the season when the Jets exited the playoffs involving Pierre-Luc Dubois for obvious reasons, Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, and now a lot of scuttlebutt about Connor Hellebuck. Um, I mean, you're outside of the market, but follow the league as well as anyone. What are you hearing and what do you expect to happen You know, in the next six weeks heading into Nashville for Kevin Day off and the Winnipeg Jets? Oh, do you mean because I was in the Devil's press box writing Jesper Bratt and Vitek Vanacek with an arrow pointing at Winnipeg and then an arrow pointing the other way that said Connor Hellebuck? Um, I heard you drop no, that man, on 960 the other day, and I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that, that's the beautiful thing about having an asset that everybody wants. And you look at the, the playoffs right now, I mean, you know, Jake Ottinger is the only guy that played more than 55 games in the regular season, but... You look at the value of Bobrovsky and the value of Freddie Anderson and, and the pickle that Vegas could be in in this in this series, not having that guy. I mean, you know, goaltending is still at a premium, even though it's it's an offensive league for sure. And 
they don't come better than Connor Hellebuck. I mean, it, it is it, where is the goaltender that is ever going to be available with his pedigree um, and, and, and his accomplishments and, and the road that's still ahead of him. So there's a reason why his name has jumped to the forefront, even with like Dubois and Shafley and whoever else could, that could be available. And, and that's the one I'm really intrigued by. It's kind of amazing to think that depending on what their teams decide to do and, um, and depending on, you know, the market, you could have both Connor Hellebuck and UC Soros potentially available this, this off season. Um, I mean, I couldn't remember a time in my life where two elite level goaltenders could potentially be available in the same offseason, but there we are. Well, and Hellebuck, of course, once again, a Vesna Trophy nominee, won it, uh, has been, I guess, this is the third time he's been up for the award in the last six seasons. Uh, goes without saying that there'd be a lot of interest in him, but I mean, how significant of almost a bidding war might there be if the Winnipeg Jets realize that they do need to make the most of this asset before potentially losing him? And and how tied in would be an extension, do you think, with other teams when acquiring Hellebuck if they were able to do it? Oh, I, without question. I mean, I think, I think anytime you're going to ante up for somebody, you want to make sure you have the ability to keep that asset for as long as you can. Um, so I'm sure an extension would be in the offering too, but I don't know. I mean, it, it really depends on two things. It depends on what the market looks like for him. And I think it would be robust. There's a lot of teams out there that would love that guy on their team and feel like it's a last piece of the puzzle type scenario. I mean, and, 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 and teams that could certainly give you something for him. I mean, my God, you look at the devil's farm system right now, they didn't have to give up hardly anything to get Timo Meyer. So they still have all their blue chippers. I mean, Simone Nemesh and Luke Hughes and Alexander Holtz, not to say that they would trade any of those guys, but they're, they're on the roster. Like they're there for the taking if they wanted to. Um, so like it, it, it's a matter of what they can get back for them, but it's also really a matter of where they see themselves. I mean, again, the, the expectation after this season, and it was a disappointment for sure for the Jets, but I mean, you always kind of felt like the window might have one more year being open. Du- Dubois notwithstanding based on the contract status of some of the other guys on the team. Um, so if, if that's the case and they want another kick at the can, then you obviously don't need your goalie. You're just making yourself a problem that you don't need to have. Yeah, it just seems like Winnipeg and their situation with the difficulty attracting free agents, not to mention how many players have Winnipeg on no trades, um, you know, you cannot risk losing any of those players for nothing at the end of the season. And, um, you know, it certainly seems like there's a couple guys I think they want to move in Shifley and Wheeler. And I think there's a couple guys that I think they're in some ways going to be forced to move. And that's Connor Hellebuck and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, what, what, what do you expect if those players are going to be shopped around by Winnipeg? What sort of a market would it be for a Mark Shifley coming off a 42-goal season uh, and basically being a point-of-game player for the previous six years and a very different but younger center in Pierre-Luc Dubois that uh, certainly is rumored to be going to Montreal eventually, <laughs> but I do think would have plenty of interest uh, on a number of teams, including a team like the Boston Bruins that might have a major, major hole at center, maybe two holes at center in a month or two. Yeah. That's the real key, right? If if the Bruins find themselves down both Bergeron and Krejci, and in my time in Boston for that incredibly brief run that they had, <laughs> and and let me tell you right now, nothing, no worse feeling for a writer than having all your irons in the fire 
ready to roll with feature stories for the next like month, and then your team gets eliminated in the first round. I'm, I don't know when that Linus Allmark feature is ever running uh, that I was cooked for. Uh, you might Boston, win the Vezina. But... You might be the Vezina. You can keep it for that. Yeah, maybe I can, maybe I can roll it out then. But, um, you know, I, I got the feeling that they they don't expect Krejci to come back. They think this is the end for him. And I know that Bergeron got this big sort of send-off at the end of Game 7, but I, I felt like there was a little bit more of a a hope maybe that he could come back. Um, so if they don't have one of those guys, they can definitely use a center. If they don't have both of those guys, then they're going to be desperate for a center, and that might be a place you look. Shafley, to me, and I, and I say this with all due respect to the guy because he's super talented and all due respect to the fans that he has in the Winnipeg market, but I've always found him to be an ideal number two. Like, I feel like he's miscast as a number one. I feel like he's an ideal number two. And there are teams that could get him. I mean, my God, like, what does he look like playing behind McKinnon? You know, or or or, or some places like that where maybe it's a it's a it's a more comfortable fit for him. Um, but that's how I would envision him. Oh, listen, but I I I, I don't do, disagree do at all. I mean, hell, at the end of the season yeah. with their season on the line, he was playing on the wing here. Um, so, yeah. And, and I mean, listen, I I guess we haven't spoken since the Jets were bounced in the playoffs. I have to ask you, Greg, what was your reaction when you heard Rick Bonus go up to the microphone after yeah. Game Five in Vegas? Started air punching, man. That was awesome. <laughs> like, I mean, it's I mean, it's why you bring him in, right? It's why you bring him in. It's like a, uh, it, you know, to 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 have that kind of candor and 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 do that thing is is why you bring him in. So I I appreciated it. I know it didn't set well with everybody, but it's kind of like why he's there, and and I, I appreciated how he felt, and and I don't think he was necessarily all that wrong about the quality of play that we saw in that series. Oh, he wasn't. But what was interesting, and this is how it kind of ties back to Shifley, I think in a lot of ways he sort of drove that situation, drove Rick Bonus nuts at the end of the year. And, I mean, yeah. the way he in particular reacted to being benched in that one game, essentially just disappearing for a few weeks, and then being put on the wing, it was quite clear that there was a lot going on. And the fact that Bones went in that one-minute clip and made a point of talking about the things that had happened as the team slid from first place to on the cusp of missing the playoffs. There was a lot that came out when uh, that eruption happened after game five. And I think that did speak to the need for some significant change. And, you know, it was funny. Our, our pals at the athletic put out a trade bait board the other day and four of the top eight players were Winnipeg jets and one, two was Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley. Um, and then there's the Dubois situation, which has sort of been hanging around here really since it got going last summer. Um, have you heard anything on Dubois? And are there other options in your mind outside of Montreal for the Winnipeg Jets to trade that would get them full value for a team that might have to see how he fits in, but might have the confidence that let's get him here, be part of our culture, and you know he'd be great. I mean, can you imagine the Habs waiting on him and him getting traded to Boston, signing an extension and haunting the Habs for the next eight years? I mean, I know there's a lot of people around here that if he's getting traded would love that scenario. Sure. Uh, there's just been so much smoke about him in Montreal, right? Like you feel like, you know, when those guys look at the iPads on the bench, like his is a, a Zillow for Montreal, just picking out <laughs> houses, right? Like, like, I mean, it's like at this point, you just have to assume with all that smoke, there's got to be some fire there. And and so I, I, I've I've long just assumed that they're going to work out something when it comes to Dubois. But I don't know. I mean, like the, the market for like a Shifley is, um, I don't know. I don't know what it what it could be. And and again, like we talked about earlier, just like 
what are the Jets looking for? Are they are they moving on to their next phase? Is this, is this now the the Ehlers Perfetti team? Like, what does it look like? Are, if they trade Shifley, are they getting back a top line player? Are we looking back? At, are we looking at a you know Ryan Johansson for Seth Jones scenario in which both teams scratch each other's backs? Like what? What is it? What do they want out of a Shifley trade? Is is the most intriguing thing for me? Yeah, I think any of those players. I mean, I think it needs to be a player at a different stage in his career. A guy finishing up his ELC. Uh, bottom line is a player under team control. I mean, the Winnipeg Jets, whether it's Shifley or whether it's the guy that comes back in, they can't be dealing with an asset that they might lose for nothing at the end of this season. And uh, you know, as much right. as they might not want to do that, Greg, I think this management group is in some ways sort of being forced into that to realize how they need to acquire players and how they've done it in the past with a pretty darn good blueprint of drafting, developing players, and re-signing yeah. them. Uh, and listen, it might be a little short-term pain. I know that's not something they want to really put out to the fan base. But listen, if you're losing a Vesna Trophy winning goaltender and a couple top centers, it won't happen overnight. But I think the vision, at least the way I look at this situation, is that you know, you're getting some, I mean, maybe some picks, but more likely top players that have been picked that have had some time in the National Hockey League that are ready to take that next step, that you can envision them being part of your core for the next five or six years that certainly don't have the uh, the numbers that a Shifley or a Dubois even have to this point in their career, but just at a different stage of it. Right, and you're going to get, I think you'll get a lot of those guys for for Hellebuck if, if that was the direction they wanted to go. I mean, that's like, I, I joked about the Brett, Anacek thing, but it ain't a joke. <laughs> like, I mean, that's the, that's the type of return you get for a, a goaltender who's that good from teams that probably feel they're close, you know, and and are a goalie away. Hell, let's go, Marner for Hellebuck. Who says no? <laughs> well, and then again, they're figuring out if they're signing him. That Marner deal's problematic. There's a lot of issues on that cap sheet for the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs that are going to be problematic going forward. Hey, just before we go, uh, who do you think we're going to be talking about playing in the cup final in a couple of weeks? I got Dallas and Carolina. Um, I, I covered Dallas's game seven. Boy, that's a good hockey team. And, and, and I think that Ottinger, <clears throat> I can't imagine, is going to put two subpar series back-to-back. Uh, he wasn't really that good against Seattle until game seven. I think he's going to be a huge difference maker in this series, especially based on what Vegas has between the pipes. I also really think that the five-on-five five advantage that Vegas is, has uh, has uh, uh, celebrated for two rounds against Winnipeg and against, especially against Edmonton disappears because I think Dallas is a really solid five-on-five five team. And then Carolina, I covered them against the Islanders and the Devils, and that is just a really stingy hockey team. I don't know how the hell they're scoring as many goals as they are, but I know that they can D up better than anybody in this league. Best penalty kill in the league. Um, whatever time and space the Panthers skill guys were getting against the Leafs, they won't get it against Carolina. Uh, they're very similar teams. They both sort of like love to dump the puck and then retrieve it and win battles. But, I mean, when it comes to winning battles, there, there really isn't anybody better than the Hurricanes. And Freddie Anderson's only given up, I think, uh, two or fewer goals in like five of six appearances, maybe even one in five of six appearances in the postseason. They're locked in. They're playing really well. I thought they'd be cooked because they lost Svechnikov and Patchy Reddy, but they didn't need them. They're they're like fourth in the league in scoring in the playoffs. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, the fact we think about the trade deadline in the East with all those teams giving up so many assets and pushing all in for all of those players. Who's left standing? 
the Florida Panthers, who I don't think made a single move, and the Carolina Hurricanes, who were criticized for only adding uh, the ghost and Jesse Pugliarvi while everyone did. And now they're four wins away from uh, competing for the uh, for the trophy. Well, I mean, in fairness, Florida couldn't do anything. They, they yeah. went all in the they previous did it last season year. and screwed it all up. <laughs> you know, the terrible Ben Sherratt deal. But uh, I think they probably would have made a trade if they could. But no, you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it, it is amazing. I mean, what did, what did Dallas do? Did Max Domi. You know, what did Vegas do? Uh, not much. So it's been pretty amazing uh, to see how it all shook, it's all shaken out. But again, like, you know, saying something not typical has happened in the postseason is, is the postseason. This has been one of the weirdest ones that we've experienced in a long time. Wish, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for the breaking news. And I know uh, you and the ESPN team are going to have plenty to talk and write about both about the four teams remaining and everything else happening behind the scenes with the NHL and, of course, the upcoming offseason heading into the draft. Have a great one and enjoy round three. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Greg. There is the man himself, Greg Wyshynski, ESPN senior writer. You can follow him on Twitter, at Wyshynski. Uh, we're going to continue this hockey conversation and get Scott Billiken here in just a second. Don't forget, though, folks, if you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries – and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products. We've got it for you over at one of seven Vita Health Fresh Market stores or online at myvita.ca. Warm weather's here. Barbecue season is on. Get on down to Vita Health and stock up on some delicious Vita Market grass-fed bison and beef steaks. And the perfect thing to help you digest that red meat is Health First Primezyme Digestive Enzymes, which help you break down proteins, carbs, fats, lactose, and reduce digestive discomfort. That way you can enjoy the delicious food you're cooking. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Wallace and Wallace, who of course helped us out with the Unsung Hero program throughout the winter, are uh, busy, busy right now as Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists serving residential and commercial customers since 1946. If you need the security and protection of a new fence or if winter's done a number on your old one, give them a call. They've got every type of fence you could possibly need. And heck, if it's time to replace your garage door, they've also got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. 452-2700 is the number. Give them a buzz. They'll arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them online at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. How's the closet looking, fellas? If you need to up your menswear game heading into spring and summer, you got to get down and see the fellas at F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. In a wedding party this summer, looking ahead, talk to them about fitting out the entire wedding party with suits from F Apparel. You get a 15% discount for everyone in the wedding party. And uh, still time to get a new suit for uh, high school grads. F Apparel will include a free custom shirt and tie for any 23 high school grad with the purchase of a new suit. F Apparel online, ephapparel.com. Make an appointment there or pop down and see him at 190 Smith Street. And uh, doesn't this looks a little ugly outside right now, but man, we got some nice weather coming up for May long weekend. Perfect time to reacquaint yourself with the Nick and Nicky DQ. Four locations and the new summer blizzard flavors are in. So grab the gang and head on down to either DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's and make it a blizzard day 
with the Nick and Nikki DQ group. All right, let's get Billick in here. Still recovering from the Kenny and Randy year ender bender. What a fun night last night. And good to see you, Scotty. How are you? I'm alive. Uh, so that's good. Uh, no, it was a good night. Yeah. A lot of fun. Um, man, there was a lot of people there. So, I mean, yeah, it was just, it was nice to talk to the fans. I'm sure some of them are in the chat today. Some of them are also recovering. So yeah, no, it was a good day. It was a good That might've been the biggest collection of Winnipeg media in one place that I can remember in forever. Yeah. I mean, outside of the press boxes all over the place. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I can't. I can't remember the last time all of us were kind of together like that. So, in you know, just a casual kind of um, drink happy session, whatever you want to call it. It was good. It was great. It was. Uh, it was a lot of fun. The people at TransCan were great. Uh, food was good. Yeah, it was just. A, it was a good night, and uh, yeah, we closed down the place, so it was really good. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. And uh, while we were closing the place down, we'd gotten news about the vote in Tempe. Um, (laughs) You know, we were just talking to Wyshynski about who did break the news that it doesn't look like there is an imminent relocation happening in the next couple of weeks. And it'll be the very unenviable position of in all likelihood being a lame duck team playing in a 4,000 seat arena uh, with no future in that market. But there was always that risk. Uh, that the NHL was taking to try to salvage, you know, one of the top sports markets in the National Hockey League. But the voters have, I mean, this has to be the final nail in the coffin, whether it be for this season or next for the Arizona experiment, right? It's, I mean, if this isn't it, I don't know what kills the Arizona Coyotes off, right? Like, this is a team that's on its 18th life of of nine. Like, you know, cats are jealous of, of, of the Arizona Coyotes because of, you know, how many times they've been able to yeah, rise from, you know, the, the dead. I mean, it, 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 it's stunning how, I mean, it's not stunning anymore, but it has been stunning how this team has just gone to, or the NHL has just gone to bat for Arizona over and over again. Like, you, you think of all the teams that are left. I mean, if you're, a, you know, a Winnipeg Jets fan from, the, you know, Jets point 1.0, you would have loved Gary Bettman to go over to bat for Winnipeg as, as hard as he's gone to bat with Arizona. And, and I well, get in it. Fairness, he was... did basically <laughs> facilitate a team coming back here. I mean, he uh, did uh, eventually. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it was just like, I mean, Arizona should be in a different city at this point. It should be in Salt Lake city or, or Houston, or it could have, should have become Seattle or Quebec Nordiques or whoever you want. Right. I mean, there's so many places where that would probably appreciate this team more. Shouldn't say Kansas city as well. Cause you're a big, Kansas City aficionado there. I mean, that's, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where why, why, like, why is the league so stuck and hung up on and trying to keep a thing that just nobody, nobody seems to want, right? I mean, you saw Clayton, Keller, uh, Clayton Keller's tweet last night, just the, the sad emoji and all that. And, you know, I, I think the players like the area and, and want to play for that team and all that stuff, but like, it, it's tough. I mean, that team seems to be, uh, a, 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 a team that just you know develops players and then trades them away. They're never really that good, you know. And and, and they become a, a team that at the trade deadline, people are trying to pick pieces from and, and all that. I, I don't know what the vision is there, you know, in terms of like actually making that team good that would actually get people to come. But you know, you're playing an arena now that has five thousand people. There's only so much fanfare that you can get, anyways. And I'm I'm, I'm not shocked that 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 area didn't want to have you know, they that didn't want to 
kind of fork over what was it, two billion dollars? You know, whatever the well, no, that's the, the thing. Was. It was like, it was all private money. I mean, that, oh, that's yeah. actually that's what even was more insane, kind of right? Like, stunning you know? about it. And you know, like Greg kind of said that you know they did a lot of grassroots sort of things, but the no campaign, which yeah. had a couple of reasons that I think was was behind it. Like, I don't think that Murillo and the way that they've organized, the, the way they've done business in that yeah. community has endeared themselves to a lot of people. Sure. Um, which the right owner, which right? is a big part. And then the other side of it, and this speaks to how organized the no side was, there had been no assurances or guarantees that in this massive multi-billion dollar project would be working with the local unions. And, I mean, I think the local unions in a lot of ways were behind that no campaign that according to Greg was far more visible than anything on the yes side, yeah. despite the fact that at the end, this project was going to take a dump and a landfill and turn it into <laughs> what, yeah. like the project itself looked phenomenal and something that I think, you know, logic would tell you, well, of course you want that, but there's a lot that goes to it. And uh, listen, what's done is done. And this was their last chance um, Time to go. Yeah. I, I, earlier on, I thought, and again, I thought Greg made a great point. Part of the reason why, and this was the genius of Mark Chipman's plan to get this team back, was not to do a lot of things out in front of the media. We saw where that got yeah. a guy like Jim Ball silly. But first and foremost, to have everything in place where essentially it is a turnkey operation. We've got staff that can you can quickly pivot from one league to another. We have the ability to sell the tickets. Like, we can be ready and do this in an incredibly short period of time. From talking to Greg, it just doesn't seem like that exists with any of the cities that are potential yeah. suitors for the Coyotes. And and that's why we could have a bizarre situation this year of a team that is already one foot out the door uh, but playing in this smallest arena. And, uh, the one thing I thought that might benefit them, or at least the chances of a quick move and making something happen right now, is the fact that I think the PA, to a man, is pissed off that this has gone as long as it has because they yeah. lose money, too, when a team in the National Hockey League is playing in a 5,000-seat arena. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just a bad situation for everybody, you know? Like, it, it sucks for the Coyotes fans, too. Like, there, I mean, there are Coyotes fans out there. I mean, there, there, there's a lot of Coyotes fans here in Winnipeg. Eh? And and I think there's a lot of people that still want to see this team make it uh, there, even through everything. And, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's brutal for the players who have to kind of play and, you know, whatever. You're making millions. Who cares where you're playing, I guess. But I, I don't think that's the case. I mean, these guys, you know, they want to play in an NHL rink. They want to play in front of you know, 15, 20,000 fans type thing. Um, it, it sucks to not be wanted, right? I, I think at the end of the day, that might be like, you know, like maybe the worst thing for everybody involved there is that I, I don't think there's, there's, a, there's a sense of being wanted there anymore, right? And, and you know, the vote is what it is and, and that sort of thing. And usually in votes like that, the loudest voice, voices you know, kind of win the day. We've seen that with Portage and Maine here uh, in Winnipeg and, and, and that sort of thing to draw some some sort of comparison there. But it's just, yeah, it, it just, it, it's it, 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 it's just brutal. I mean, I, it sucks because, I mean, I think with Atlanta, you could just kind of see it. it. It wasn't a big, you know, maybe here it's just, it, it's something for Winnipeggers that still see Arizona as like, you know, the former Jets. And, and, and so there, there's part of that. Like maybe, 
maybe this market is just too connected to it to, you know, and, and that sort of thing. Like, I mean, maybe, you know, I, I think outside of Winnipeg and Arizona, I'm not sure what, you know, the, the temperature is here on, on who really cares if they stay or they go. Right. But, and I think that was the same with Atlanta. Right. I mean, I, I don't think anybody outside of Atlanta, I mean, even most people in Atlanta didn't really care. Um, you know, if, if, if they stayed or they go. Yeah, so it's a page yeah, three story when it happened. And right, exactly. Right. Like, I mean, and yeah, it, it's just, it's weird. I, I don't know. I'll, I, I just can't, I, I still can't understand sometimes just like, you know, there are other places and I get it, you know, you, you want it to be a turnkey operation and things that you said there, but you know, there's owners and, 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 and maybe cities that are on board and other things that, that would, you know, give this this team a home, and yeah, it would suck. Well, that's gonna happen. In the like, trust me, that, I know that's happening. But it's just like, right? But it's just there's been over the years, right? Like, I mean, there, there's places where this team would go and be loved, and 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 you know, it just seems like they've dragged this on for so long. It's become the it's it not is, even a joke anymore, I'll, right? I'll like, say this. I'll say this though, and I, and I understand why they did what they did, because that for is an incredible. Well. Put it this way. I mean, they they had that arena. I mean, they like they sure. had an arena. They, they had did, a yeah. lease. I mean, it was the owners. But the bottom line is, if this plan actually went through, and they built that an incredible arena in that area, and again, that valley area is massive. I mean, I was talking to people at games yeah. that literally had to drive an hour and a half to get yeah. to Glendale to Jobbing.com yeah. Arena. Like, I actually think that it would be successful. You've got the money. You've got the population. Um, but again, it was all contingent on that happening yesterday. So it didn't happen, and now it's moving on. And uh, in all likelihood, a year from right now, we'll be talking about a new team, albeit not a new uh, roster, somewhere else in the Central Division. What will be interesting, Scott, is if when we're having this conversation, maybe not even a year from now, but in a couple months from now, how different the home team here might look, at least on paper, considering yeah. what we're hearing and what we really are expecting that's on Kevin Sheveldayoff's plate right now. Um, it has been interesting. I really thought that Dubois and Shifley would sort of be dominating our conversations, but it's quite clear from speaking with guys like Wish outside of the market yeah. um, that one Connor Hellebuck, if the uh, if the smart money is on in not signing an extension here in Winnipeg, he uh, pretty much immediately becomes the number one guy on the trade bait board but also opens up the possibility of an incredible change in the Winnipeg Jet roster, um, you know, for next season. Well, you know, I, and it's interesting, right? Because we do talk about the goalies right now. And I think because part of it, you're looking at all these playoff teams that have kind of flamed out of the, out of the postseason, And you think, okay, well, Edmonton, you know, goalkeeping or goaltending was, was a, a tough thing. You know, Stuart Stringer got pulled four times. I think it's an NHL record in a playoff series, right? Like, so, you're, you're, I think it's it's kind of a bit of a recency bias too there, and so the goaltending talk kind of gets, kind of gets going and and that and and for good reason. I mean, here's the thing, you know, Connor Hellbuck's been a, a Vesna candidate for, for a well, legit Vesna candidate, like voted as one by the GMs three of the last six years, won it in 2020, and arguably has been the best goaltender in the NHL, maybe outside of Andre Vasilevsky in terms of you know, accolades and winning Stanley Cups, you know, for the tenure uh, that, he, that he's been here in Winnipeg. And, you know, he's 29. Um, you know, he'll be 30 soon, I, I believe. Um, I, I don't think that that's, you know, you, you look at the workload, the mileage that he's had on them. Yeah, it's been a lot, but at the same time, I mean, 
here's a guy who's continually year after year pulled his team into the playoffs. I'm so, I'm so curious, and I have been for years. Like, if you put a good team in front of Connor Hellebuck, how good is that team in front of him? Like, how good does the team become? Like, you know, we, we talked saw about it in Edmonton. 2018. <laughs> well, we did, right? And 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 that's the thing. But like, I mean, there's other teams that are maybe even more on the cusp of winning a Stanley Cup that you know just can't get over the you know maybe their goal like Edmonton, right? Like, I, you know, I I wonder, you know, if you have Connor Hellbuck in that in Edmonton and and you continue to bolster that defense that they have there. I mean, I think the sky's the limit with them. And and so I think that's what the allure is right now is that, you know, you have this kind of rare occasion in hockey where one of the best goaltenders, um, you know, and in my opinion of his generation, has is on the market, you know, potentially, right? Potentially, we don't know, you know, what, what's going to happen. But, you know, and, and, and I think the other thing for, like, Winnipeg fans is, We've had Connor Hellbuck here, you know, the team's had Connor Hellbuck here, and fans have had him here for, you know, seven, eight years now, wherever it's been. He also kind of represents the shift, right, of what this this franchise could go, right? Like it, 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 he, he, I think he offers the biggest return, without question, um, of anybody that you trade this summer. And so, you know, there, there's, this, there's this potential here that this guy changes – the organization, like he changed it in, you know, in the crease in terms of their success and getting to playoffs and that sort of thing. And now he's, he has the potential to actually change, you know, the course of where this, this team goes. And so I think for some fans, it's like, you know, how do you, how do you kind of balance that? Do you want the world, one of the world's best goalies every night for the next, you know, seven years, five, whatever he might sign. Or do you want, at this point, given the, you know the success or, or and the failures really over the last couple of years, um, is is Connor Hellbug now a catalyst to kind of change that direction of this team? And and I mean, you know, I, I mean, you were talking to Jeff yesterday, and you know, maybe who might be the first domino to drop or or that sort of thing in this thing. I, to me, I still think it's Pierre Luc Dubois, just given the situation. But I mean, the one that has the most impact on. On you know, do the Jets retool? Are they thrown into a bit of a rebuild? What whatever happens, I, I think you know, kind of hinges on on Connor Hellebuck and and you know, does he stay or does he go? And, and and the potential return you could get from any of these teams really that that might be interesting from Pittsburgh to maybe Edmonton, L.A., um, New Jersey, right? I mean, you know, th- there's a lot of teams out there that are that are probably going to be looking for goaltenders um, this year. And it's just, you know, can they make it fit? Can they extend them? Do they, you know, wh- whatever it might be. Um, but, I mean, the prospect of getting one of the best goalies in the game right now, um, you know, I, you saw this with Florida and, and Sergei Borovsky, I think, you know, at the time where he he went there, recently won the Vesna, had been playing really well in Columbus. Um, and, you know, you look what that turned into for Sergei Borovsky. He obviously hasn't, hasn't really repaid them until – you know, right now uh, in the playoffs, but um, all you needed is once, right? I mean, banners fly forever, and 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 Connor Hellebuck has made it very clear that the only thing that he has left to obtain in his career is a Stanley Cup ring, and and you know, and and he's right. I mean, you know, you, know, you view him as one of the best goalies in the world. He's been named the best goalie in the world uh, in 2020. Um, potentially, I mean, I, I don't think he wins it this year, but he's a finalist for it again, and. And so, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, do you want him here? Or are you, as a fan, are you are you sitting there saying this guy can really change the course and 
of where this Winnipeg Jets team goes for the next five, ten years, and uh, well, it's from funny, there. The so course, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Speaking of that, I mean, the course, I think. You know, in a lot of ways, does change if Connor Hellebuck's not here. I mean, the one thing you can say yeah. about this team is that, you know, regardless of what happens up front with the forwards, with the blue line, if Hellebuck's your starting goaltender, you got a chance to win each and every night. And he will inflate your point totals, the amount of wins, your opportunity to make the playoffs. If he isn't there, then you're talking about an entirely different an entirely different situation uh, yeah. when it comes to the ability to truly compete for a cup, at least in the short term. But at the same time, I think we all realize that there are changes that need to be made with this club. And there's no bigger one than <clears throat> than that one with, with, with Helly. And I think in some ways it would be some short-term pain, presumably for long-term gain. Yeah. But when we talk about, you know, potential suitors for Hellebuck and what a trade for Hellebuck would look like, what's interesting is you hear teams like Edmonton and the Leafs that are mentioned, but then I look at what they have right now on their rosters and think about everything that they traded at the trade deadline and not having first round picks and not having, you know, younger players under team control that would be of the value just because of guys that have already left right now. And then you start looking at some more interesting teams. The New Jersey Devils are absolutely one of those teams. The Buffalo Sabres are definitely one of those teams. And I think in a lot of ways, the Los Angeles Kings are one of those teams. And all three of those teams have really talented younger players under team control um, and almost a surplus of that sort of thing. But what they don't have is a rock in net. Now, I think the contingency for the Winnipeg Jets, if they are going to go down this road with Hellebuck, would be to do a deal with a team that Hellebuck is willing to re-sign with and sign an extension with. Right. Where those teams are at, they're all sort of in different stages right now. And I think you can make the case that, you know, with all those teams in the direction they're at, he'll have a chance to win the cup. Um, But it would be very interesting to see how discussions like that and what Hellebuck believes is the future of those other teams as to how that retains, how that relates to a trade right now and the obvious need for a team that's giving up the assets the Jets are going to want for Hellebuck to keep him there beyond next season. Well, and that, that's the thing, right? Like, I'm, I've been looking at these teams for the last few days now, just like trying to figure out, like, who makes like the most sense, right? Like, so here's the thing you know, New Jersey, I mean, I, I know it's Jesper Brad, Vitek Vanacek. I mean, those are the, kind of the names that have been, you know, toiled around. What's happening with Shifley and Dubois this summer? That you know, if, if those guys are both gone, do you want a Jesper Brad who's a winger? Like, is that kind of what you need, or do you need more? I, I'm not. I, I just. I'm. I'm. I'm unsure of kind of where. You know, these are these are tough deals to get the return that you would hope for. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And. So if you go to like let's say Ottawa, right? Because I think Ottawa could potentially be a team. You know, they're up and coming. I think they're maybe a goalie away from really being, you know, that good. Um, you know, based on when the guys are coming up. But are they trading Shane Pinto? Are they trading Jake Sanderson? Are those guys that you want right now? Like, I mean, are you retooling? Are you rebuilding? I mean, part of this is we just don't have any idea of what you know this team is is looking at. I think we we can guess at. at at some of the situations that come up, but, um, you know, because of, you know, shovel the house, 
press conference there. We don't really have much of a vision of where this team wants to go. Like logic what, logic what would tell us if those guys are playing, if those guys are being traded, that the well, focus has to be on younger players under team control. I, right. I don't know how it can be anything else. A hundred percent. But that, that's a bit, you know, that's that sounds like a rebuild to me, right? Like, I mean, sure, you're right. Like, I mean, you get a yes for Brat, let's say he's 24. He's also a pending R, uh, UFA or pending RFA, but one more year left, and then he becomes a UFA. So you'd have to get a guy like that where you know you could re-sign him. But yeah, I mean that, that's the part of this thing to me is like you know what what are you getting in the end that that is going to change this team? Uh, well, Jersey, just back to Jersey yeah. for a second. I mean. And, you know, and I mean, listen, they are losing Severson and Graves who, right. well, maybe not necessarily losing them, but they'll have to re-sign them. Yeah. They're both UFAs. Uh, but Luke Hughes signed his ELC, top prospect he's playing. I mean, I do wonder, and I bet the Jets. No they're trading him, though, right? No, no. Yeah. But, I mean, they also yeah. have Nemec, who they picked sure. second overall. Yeah. And at a certain point, I mean, if you're basically taking Nemec, yeah. who was not on that team this year, and trading him and getting Connor Hellebuck in the mix, I mean, all of a sudden that team that just went and, you know, was right there in the second round of the playoffs, you know, with a little more experience, I mean, could be ready to go. And to be honest, that's a team I think if Hellebuck looks at it, probably would be interested in re-signing because I think it's very clear sure. the path yeah. that that team is going on. I mean, they're yeah. going in the right direction with a ton of young studs. I mean, yeah. the best case scenario, or at least that's what I'm asking for. <laughs> if I'm Kevin right, Sheldayoff, right. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about, you know, a player like that that's 19 or 20 that you think can come in and, and, and be sort of a franchise player. Because I'll tell you what, whatever team is getting Connor Hellebuck is getting a franchise player at arguably yeah. the most important position on the ice. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I just, a lot of that, I mean, yeah, if you go out for anemic, right, you're taking, you know, what is he, 19, 20 now, something like that. I mean, he's... I mean, he was just drafted not long ago, last year, I think, right? Yeah. So, or, yeah. He played in Utica so this year. Right. And so it's just like, I mean, again, this all just kind of spells, it's not just a retool. It's kind of like a hybrid retool kind of rebuild, right? Because you're bringing in players that aren't necessarily going to push you into the playoffs, right? And so I think that's where part of this is like, where what does this do to the rest of the team in, in terms of, do you have to start looking, you know, I mean, yes, you know, the, the Jets don't have no, you know, no, they don't, they're not forced to trade like a guy like Kyle Connor, but Kyle Connor made it clear he's not really interested in a rebuild either. Right. And so again, maybe you can get guys on board for this. Maybe it's one season of pain for, you know, another season of pain and it would be really the third one in a row. And then, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. And then in, in 24, 25, that's when this team takes the next step. Other thing you got to think about is what does the goaltending situation look like in Winnipeg after that? I mean, maybe you get Vanacek coming back, but if you look at Vanacek's numbers, they're not great, right? I mean, it's not like Vitek Vanacek's like. There's no great... Connor Hellebuck walking through the door. Well, well, that's what I mean. So does this team move to a tandem with like you know maybe a Vanacek and a Corpusalo or you know some of these guys that are going to? What, what does Aiden Hill? I mean, well, they probably have to you know, because there's no guy knocking on the so, door right? from the organization. Right. I, I mean, Divincentis had this great off. year. He's not right, going to be here. Away. Exactly, yeah. especially yeah. for goalies. I mean, he'll play in the American he's, League for a couple yeah. of years. I mean, he might be able to play in three years, but and that would be great. He feels like, you know, yeah, he feels like the next maybe Hellebuck in terms of how long, it, you know, it took four years for, yeah. for kind of, well, Hellebuck was, you know, drafted in 2012. And then I think his first, his first season, right, was the 2016-17 year, if I'm not mistaken. And he played, what, half the games, maybe 22. I, I can't remember how many games. 
Hellbuck played that year. Maybe it was 2015, 16. But either way, Hellbuck wasn't the starter for that first you know, year. He, he kind of, the whole thing with Pavlik, and they eventually kind of sent him down to the minors and well, all that thing. Of course, and but, then they went and signed Steve Mason, thinking right, that he was right, going to be the number one. Yeah. And then yeah. Hellebuck very quickly took that job, never yeah, looked yeah. back, and then they ended up having to what, get away uh, Armia to, to get uh, right. Mason off the books. But so, yeah, you know, you know that's the thing, right? If DiVincentis is the guy and, and, you know, OHL goalie of the year and, and all that stuff, I mean, th- there's definitely potential there. Um, and there's time for him to kind of grow, but you're going to have to get into this kind of tandem thing then that, you know, the way the NHL is going, because Arvid Holmes not going to be your starter next season and, and Salamanen is not going to be your, you know, uh, your starter next season. And, and really, I'm not even sure those goalies might be backups to, to DiVincentis one day. If DiVincentis keeps kind of, you know, kind of going the route that, that, that he's been going. And, and so it's going to be interesting. And, yeah, it's just I, the return because you're looking for it. it's like okay who's the centers in this organization of Shifley and Dubois go can you can you get somebody back that could play that position um, maybe even a young player that can come in and play that because you even you you, know, you mentioned um, Nemeth I mean defenseman right I mean you know obviously that's great great to have defensemen this team also needs to make room for Declan Chisholm next year and and, and Billy Hanel the year after that assuming that Hanel is still around, we're, we're going to see kind of how that kind of plays out this year too. So I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious how Kevin showed out because we know he's going to be, you know, handling this summer and, and what, what, what all these big um, decisions, what direction that this team is going to head, because I, I don't think you're getting a center for a center, you know, in, in some of these trades. I'm not, we'll see. I mean, you know, the, one of the things that Kevin shoveled up, you got to give him credit for is he, He's been able to pull the rabbit out of the hat on some of these deals um, where he's kind of forced into it, whether it was Jacob Truber, Andrew Kopp, whatever. He, he's been able to do it in the past. But, I mean, you're, you're dealing with some really big names, and it, it, it's hard for me to see, you know, some of these teams maybe. And you might get some young talent. I think that's exactly what you're going to get for Dubois, whether you trade him to Montreal or you trade him, you know, on a one-year deal to somebody else where – where they want to take a, a you know a run at a cup and are willing to give out um, you know a top prospect and 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 or a young player um, you know to try and win that second cup if it's Colorado or trying to win a cup if it, if it's Edmonton or somebody like that so yeah it's interesting I'd be really interested to see kind of the returns I think that's what most people want to know I mean we can all kind of speculate but you know at the end of the day you know I think this summer really changes everything for this team. And I mean that's not, I mean that's, that's you know a captain obvious statement obviously but it'll be interesting to see what they prioritize and what they can really get back for some of these guys depending on you know the level of being painted into a corner for a guy like Dubois let's say or you know you know what what the sky limit is for you know trading a guy like Connor Hellebuck. Yeah, no doubt about that. Well, it's certainly going to give us lots to uh, pontificate and speculate <laughs> on over the next little while heading Always. into. Uh, yeah. Heading down to uh, Nashville at the end of uh, end of June, Scotty. Again, great to see you last night, man. Thanks for doing this. We'll catch up next week. Have a great May long. Yeah, we'll do. Yeah, appreciate it, Huston. Thanks for having me again. You yep. got? Are you going to be at the ball game on Friday? I am. I am. Yeah, I'm covering the home opener. It should be good. So beautiful. We'll see if yeah, you can uh, see if you can sneak out of the press box down to Craft Beer Corner. Uh, chances yeah, are we might be hanging out there. 
Sure. Do they have like a Budweiser, one of those like beers that has non-alcohol? I'll, I'll have, uh, one, I'll have one after. They, well, listen, they've got plenty of waters and uh, whatnot. Oh. It, it's all local. They definitely don't have Bud there. I mean, it's all local beers. Our favorite yeah, little obviously. brown jug will be there yeah. and uh, a lot of other good stuff. Okay, well, we'll see you Friday at the yeah, uh, Fish yeah. Home Opener. <laughs> definitely. Speaking of that Fish Home Opener, uh, we're going to check in with Andrew Collier in just a second and uh, bring the GM of the Gold Eyes on for uh, just to get a little bit of an update on the first week of the season and what to look forward to on what is shaping up to be a great crowd at the ballpark on Friday night for the Winnipeg Gold Eyes home opener. Of course, Princess Auto, big proud sponsor of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes for years as well as our Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Winnipeg Sports Talk. Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and see them at Panit Road or Portage Avenue West, the two Winnipeg locations, or shop online and get those wheels turning on your next project 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Uh, gang, if you uh, are needing irrigation help or irrigation systems on your property or workplace and you need to give our pal joe a call down at consolidated supply now is the time to get on those irrigation projects and consolidated supply are the leaders in that working with the golf industry for decades Uh, of course they've also got artificial turf new and used golf carts is the exclusive club car dealer for manitoba and other amazing options for your property including hot tubs and great outdoor kitchen options as well as small engine parts and repair. Pop by and see them at Consolidated Supply. Showroom open to the public at 1395 Niaqua Road East or find out more online at cte.ca. Well, spring and pretty much summer are here and uh, we've got athletes from uh, around the sporting spectrum pouring into Royal Sports to get ready for new seasons. Whether you are a soccer player, a baseball player, a softball player, Getting out onto the tennis courts or uh, maybe looking at a new bike, Royal Sports has you covered. As well as, of course, hockey's a 12-month sport here. You know that Royal Sports is the hockey superstore uh, 12 months a year. Pop down and see them at 750 Pemina Highway, Manitoba's number one sports superstore, along with the biggest selection of licensed team gear around. And make sure to follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Keep an eye out for another crazy Royal Sports tent sale coming off the big one that kicked off this summer last weekend again royal sports 750 pemina highway uh and i didn't get a chance to see much of the ice game last night because of course we are at the uh, soiree with knr certainly we'll be watching it tonight crucial game for the ice to try to get back in on even terms at 2-2 uh great place to do that is your local boston pizza there's no better place to get together with the gang to watch the big game than your local BP. They got the new Fanalytics menu as well as ice cold schooners, world famous BP wings, and gourmet pizzas. If you're staying in and not making it out tonight, you can also order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, coming up in a few minutes, we do have a great interview with a Winnipegger that is on their way to the World Pinball Championships. But before we do that, as promised, Gold Eyes home opener is Friday night. Let's head down to the ballpark right now and welcome in our pal GM Andrew Collier on preparations for a little fireworks Friday and the first home game of the season. How are things down at the ballpark? Anything going on right now? 
just a couple things, you know, the uh, the usual. We're all sitting back with our feet on our desk, just waiting for 6.30 on, on Friday night. Uh, not quite, I'm sure. It's always the busiest time of the year getting ready for the opener. Although, uh, you know, I, I'm sure this is a little different, uh, and this kind of ties into what people can look forward to when they're coming out on Friday night or this season. Um, we've seen it in the majors. It's now in the American Association. Pitch clock, uh, I mean, a few things that I'm sure will certainly change the way we watch the game, but also uh, add a little bit more preparation for your first game of uh, the season. Yeah, it's interesting. So we have the pitch clock, which we've never had before, and we had no preseason games to train our staff or practice or, or get all the kinks out. So for the last three nights, we had for the last two nights, and then again tonight, we're having high school games here where pitch clock operators can can practice. Not that we're calling any violations on, on the high school kids who have never seen pitch clock before, but uh, we're just going through the through the drills of the 15 seconds with nobody on base, 20 seconds, somebody on base, 30 seconds between batters, all that kind of stuff, just to get ready for for Friday night, make sure it goes smoothly. But I don't think fans will really notice it unless they're they're watching the clock. I think they'll just notice that the game is moving along. Yeah, well, that certainly was the case. I mean, when I was, uh, you know, at a couple of Jays games, but I mean, I guess, you know, depending on where you're sitting, if you're seeing it counting down, I, you certainly do notice that the game is played at a much faster, faster pace. I mean, I think it's the easiest way to say it. Uh, so far, I mean, I know you're talking to, uh, you know, your contemporaries around the league. Um, has everything gone well with the pitch count? And then uh, what's Greg had to say about how maybe it's changed uh, the game from a, from a team standpoint? Greg hasn't said that it's changed that much and the games I've watched so we've played five games I think I've only seen three violations which is which is really good because like I said major leagues had what 30 some games in in spring training to practice on the pitch clock and get used to it uh most of our teams had none they just went into the first regular season game and away you go and if the clock ran out for the pitcher then then it's a strike you're a ball and clock runs out for the batter, then then it's an automatic strike. And we've seen it um, against our guys and against the other teams. But just like the majors, we'll, we'll get it all figured out, and there will be very few uh, calls made. I know you and the staff are getting ready to welcome Goldeyes fans back on Friday night for the home opener, um, but the team has started on the road with the new manager, tons of new faces, two and three after a nice win last night open to get back in 500 but uh what have you seen from uh, the fellas so far you know what it's kind of been all over the map the opening night our our ace of the staff i think we can call him luis ramirez he was here last year uh pitched great five or six innings and then the the closer that we got from quebec in in the off season came in and saved the games so the first game was great and then uh scuffled a little bit and the in the games after that to go to one and three. And then yesterday got a, a great start out of uh, Tyler Jandron. And then our closer came in and closed out the game again. It, it's kind of weird when you see a 11, three game that our closer got a save, but he did come in when it was four to three for gold eyes. And we just happened to put up a, a seven spot in the, in the next inning. So he still got the save, even with the 11, three final. Hey, they'll take them however they can get them. And uh, I'm sure there's no pitcher that doesn't mind a little bit of run support. 
and hopefully we'll have uh, some fireworks on the field. And uh, we know we'll have fireworks after the game. Uh, just give people a quick rundown of uh, everything they can look forward to at the Fish Home Opener coming up on Friday night, Andrew. Yeah, Friday night against the Lake Country Dockhounds, a team that just started, just joined the league last year, located in Wisconsin. Um, yeah, 6.30 first pitch, 5.30 gates open. Um, we'll have a giant Canadian flag on the field, um, fireworks after the game, magnetic schedules for everybody in attendance. Yeah, should be a, a great night. Uh, how's the uh, how's the testing for Craft Beer Corner? Everything, everything, all systems go right now. We made sure that the lines are clear and uh, the beer's cold. We want to make sure that it uh, it is running properly uh, with no glitches. So yesterday we had a uh, company in here that cleans the lines, sanitizes them, got all the kegs hooked up, and I did make sure that they are all working properly and and all the beer tasted as it should. Uh, hey, before we go, we've had a lot of feedback on the Gold Eyes Grand Slam, which um, people are talking about it. People are looking forward to seeing it for the first time. Where is this monstrosity sold? How can people uh, find it or at least take a glimpse of it if they're not ready to take the plunge? I'm looking forward to seeing it as well. Maybe I'll get concessions to whip one up this afternoon for me to test it. But Goldie's Grill is the place to get it. Head on down there and grab one of those, and then grab a uh, a can or a bottle of your favorite beverage, and and go at it. All local beer again at the ballpark, and uh, many of our favorites uh, outside of everything at Goldie's Grill. Back uh, the pierogies, the barbecue. We got the pizza this year. Uh, I imagine that everyone's excited to welcome back. And man, for the middle of May, Andrew, some pretty nice weather. I mean, we got a lot of sun on this May long weekend forecast. Uh, Touch wood, we'll believe it when we see it. But uh, as of right now, 20 and sunny, I imagine you couldn't have uh, hoped for a better week leading into uh, your home opener. The sound you hear is me knocking on every piece of wood in my office right now that this uh, this weather holds because, as you saw last year, our home opener was not very pleasant. So hopefully what they're forecasting uh, happens and, and we have a nice night on Friday. We've got uh, great ticket sales closing in on the... 5,000 mark, it'd be great to see 6,000 people out here for opening night. Well, it looks like it's going to be 20 and sunny, according to the weather experts right now. So uh, let's have that pack the ballpark, and uh, I will look forward to seeing you and uh, hopefully many listeners down there to uh, get the season kicked off Friday night with a 6.30 start at Shaw Park. Winnipeg Gold Eye season is back. Andrew, I will let you get back to work because as much as we're joking, I know there's a lot going on behind the scenes. Um, say, uh uh, good luck to the entire team behind the scenes, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on uh, Friday down at Shaw. Sounds good. Look forward to seeing you. Thanks for having me. All right. Great stuff with Andrew Collier. Now, as I say, we've got a very special uh, interview coming up on something that uh, is, uh, it, well, pretty darn, uh, pretty darn interesting, I will say. The World Pinball Championships. Uh, but listen, just before we do that, I got to give a big shout out to our friends at Little Brown Jug Brewing. The folks at Little Brown Jug just took home a ton of awards at the Prairie Beer Awards. Brewery of the Year, Best of Show, uh, the new generic lager got an award, their queer beer got an award for design. 
Uh, and the uh, LBJ Black Lager got the top European-style beer as well. Uh, Honey Brown Ale got the top Belgian. Too many to uh, list, but there you see the Little Brown Jug team celebrating all their big wins. Uh, no better place to try all of those award-winning beers than down at the Brewery and Tap Room on William Avenue. Um, highly recommend the generic, perfect summer beer uh, that they've just brought out with. But um, Little Brown Jug, great sponsors of ours, Winnipeg's favorite local beer. Pick it up at vendors around the city or... Even better, pop down and see him in person down on William Avenue. Um, big shout out to our friends at Breezy Bend. We will get to the Cool Bet lines. It's major week. PGA Championship begins tomorrow. Check your DraftKings uh, if you're in the uh, WST League because we do have a contest. I believe there's still some spots left before we fill to 50. And uh, of course, today was the Lock Shop uh, major edition. So you can check all of mine and Dusty's picks along with Pat Gregoire who did them through our pal JBM at CoolBet today. That's up on our YouTube channel, Lock Shop Bets. Make sure to subscribe when you get on over there. Of course, all of our golf reports, and we'll have a few coming up these next couple days, brought to you by our friends at Breezy Bend, one of Manitoba's top private clubs, and uh, the home of Winnipeg Sports Talk for years. Great men's, ladies, and junior programs. And it is full right now, but they do have a waiting list. If you would like to talk to Corey Johnson about getting on that list and potentially making Breezy your home next season, you can do it now. You can find out more online at breezyben.ca. And uh, big shout out to our friends at Aikens Lake who are just getting underway for another season. Uh, Aikens, you know, you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg. An incredible world-class fishing experience that is only topped by the world-class hospitality that makes the Aikens experience what it is. Find out more at AikensLake.com. I believe they're about 90% booked for the season, so there still is some time to get in there. Talk to our pal Pitt Turan about uh, making Aikens a part of your summer plans. All right, every now and then we go a, a little bit off the beaten path and find different sports to talk about. This is quite fun. A local Winnipegger has qualified for the World Pinball Championships. So we invited Jack Tadman to come on and tell us about the path to get there and uh, what makes elite-level pinball players rise to the top. Here it is. Jack, what's going on? It's great to have you on the show. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me, Huck. Uh, I'm noting that this is Winnipeg Sports Talk Radio, which definitively resolved the debate about whether pinball is a sports. Uh, clearly it is. That, it, exactly. There's 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 no more gray area. Um, and as I said, you know, when this is a show of champions, and we've got someone that's going for a world championship, we're going to get them on here. Um, this is really cool. Uh, before we get to the worlds and the event coming up, how did you get into pinball, and how did you get to a level high enough that um, you're even eligible to be playing in the world championships? Yeah. Uh, so starting from the very beginning, as a as a four year old. Uh, my dad would hang out with his friend every Saturday, bring me along with him, and uh, his friend had a pinball machine, Foursquare. My dad would you know, put a stool out in front of the pinball machine, put me on top of the stool, and then he would take off and do whatever he did for three hours with his friend on a Saturday, and I would just sit in front of the machine and play uh, over and over again. A uh, little bit later on, uh, always was drawn towards pinball machines, and around 2012, uh, I learned that there was a whole... Uh, world ranking system and a, a governing body, the International Flipper Pinball Association, uh, the IFPA, and the IFPA sanctioned tournaments 
tournaments have world ranking points. And depending on how you do in the tournament, you earn world ranking points. And uh, whether it's an event that's put on locally in Manitoba by the Manitoba Pinball League or something like the world championships that I'm going to, uh, all the events award uh, world ranking points. Obviously, the, there's a formula. The bigger the event, the tournament, the more high-ranked players playing in the tournament, the more points are, are awarded. You know, in, I, I'm fascinated by this because pinball is such a unique activity in that there are thousands of different pinball games. Um, when it comes to competition pinball, is it the same machines that we'd see and what remaining arcades there are? Or um, at that level, I mean, are there special machines that uh, truly test the best in the world? So it's an activity, as we've established uh, already, it's also a sport. And different pinball tournaments have different formats. So just to, to break it down, uh, simply, some tournaments will, let's call them the classic tournaments. So those tournaments will feature pinball machines from the 60s, 70s, early 80s. Other tournaments will be called modern tournaments, and they'll have games from you know, the late 80s, 90s, 2000s, you know, 2010. And the newer games, I mean, there are more pinball uh, companies coming out with games now than there have ever been. And their Foo Fighters pinball machine just came out, a Godfather pinball machine, a Pulp Fiction pinball machine just came out. So we're seeing a lot of growth uh, and, and interest in pinball. Uh, different tournaments have different formats beyond that. Some of them you're playing, let's say, head-to-head. Some of them you're playing... Uh, everybody has a certain amount of time to play the machines in your rank based on you know your score from from highest to to lowest. But uh, the machines that that we play on in tournaments, they're the same types of machines that you would find uh, in arcades and in in people's houses and and at bars. Jack, I, I just want to ask you about what you just mentioned with the industry. Um, I have to admit, I'm a little surprised. I mean, I grew up in an era where <clears throat> every neighborhood had an arcade and was quite easy to find pinball machines. Uh, you, at least, I mean, where I'm running, you don't see as many anymore. I mean, uh, have they just moved elsewhere? I mean, where, uh, where, where is the industry at right now, and uh, where is this growth, or where, where do we find all these machines? Yeah, there, there was definitely a dark, a dark time for pinball. Uh, let's say late '90s, early 2000s, where. People just weren't interested. Arcades were closing. People weren't interested in in pinball machines, and you know, the home consoles are, are becoming more popular. Uh, lately, it, in part, it could be nostalgia, uh, but people appreciate the tactile nature of pinball machine. It's something you can feel. It's physical. You you touch it, and your physical actions have an impact on the game. And I think that's really uh, appealing to people uh, because normally, other than let's say a, a controller that that rumbles, uh, you, you don't have that experience. Uh, there are also um, operators now who are really invested in pinball and want to make sure that games run properly and that they're fixed and that they're clean. And that increases the enjoyment of the people playing them because there's, there's no worse feeling when you you know you hit a shot and it doesn't work and you say, oh, this is, this is a ripoff. So you have operators who are committed to having great games and to getting them uh, in arcades that are coming back up and also on location, back at, at bars. Uh, and then there's a huge community of home collectors who, I mean, there are people in, in Winnipeg who have 50, 50, 70 games uh, in, in their house. Uh, 
and uh, there's there's a big collector community as well. Wow. Um, as far you know, it, this is kind of hilarious that we're um, doing this today. I hadn't played pinball in years and actually stumbled on some machines when I was out in Lockport at Skinner's on the weekend and um, and played a couple. Um, but I have to ask you, I mean, as a top competitive player, where are you playing? And um, I mean, how prevalent are like new pinball games uh, here in the city of Winnipeg right now in 2023? And there are a few uh, great places to play. There's um, Pinball Map. Uh, if, if you look up Pinball Map, it'll show you where all of the places play are in Winnipeg. Uh, Phantom Amusement at the Forks is the place that I play a lot. Uh, a friend of mine, Drew Sitch, uh, has a, a number of pinball machines at his workplace. And uh, I actually rented uh, a pinball machine. So if you want to know what it's like to have access to a pinball machine all the time and you don't want to spend uh, spend the money to buy one, uh, you know, you can rent one for a month, two months and, and have unlimited access and uh, practice that um, so tell us about this world championship. First of all, how did you um, how did you qualify? What was the process to be even uh, eligible to play in this? Okay, so as it's a, it's an eighty person tournament, as I mentioned, invite only. Uh, there are country exemptions, so the top two from each country may get in. Uh, unfortunately, I was ranked third in in Canada, so I didn't make it through the the country exemption. There's also a wild card for all the top ranked players who don't get country exemption get in that way i just missed the cut on that but i actually won the manitoba provincial pinball championship and as a result of winning the manitoba championship we went to a place in wisconsin called district 82 which is uh, just a fantastic place to play pinball and uh, all of the provincial and state champions played in a uh, a tournament there was about 50 or 60 people it's a best of seven so you play against another player best of seven and you advance through the round and as the uh the highest ranking player advancing through the rounds who was not already eligible for this tournament i was awarded the automatic uh, qualifying spot for the uh my final uh, position in the North American Pinball Championship. There's, there's also an exemption for the winner of the European Pinball Championship and the Women's World Pinball Championship. So now you're locked and loaded and ready to go. You are heading to Germany to represent Manitoba and Canada at the Worlds. Jack, how does a World Championship work? I mean, what is the format? Uh, how great are the players? And uh, what are you expecting? Yeah, I mean, you're you're bringing together the world's best and uh, first of all, it's it's great to be a part of an international community. There, are, I've been to this tournament before, and uh, it's just nice to to be around people from all different parts of the world who have the same interest, the same passion uh, for pinball that you do. And it's it, in a way, it's a uh, it's a celebration of pinball. Uh, there are a lot of great players, obviously taking the top two from from each country. Uh, I, I don't want to single any specific countries out. But, you know, the U.S. obviously has a lot of players and a lot of great players. There are other countries who, you know, maybe the, the players who, who go from, from those countries uh, aren't ranked as, as highly. Uh, but it really, is, uh, it really is a great term of great players. We've got eight rounds here divided up into four-player groups. We play eight rounds. Each round consists of three different games. You play an old pinball machine so let's say from the 60s to 70s you play uh it's called a mid pinball machine from the 80s early 90s and then you would play a, a new pinball machine 
and each of the four players are ranked based on how they do on those games. You play four-player games. At the end of the eight rounds, I, everyone's points are totaled up. The top 32 players advance to the playoffs to play in a head-to-head best-of-seven matchup. When uh, they're getting down to deciding, uh, you know, the head-to-heads, is it all in the newer machines? And uh, do you know what the machines are ahead? I mean, uh, uh, you just mentioned that there's like a new Foo Fighters machine. I mean, uh, at what point does everyone know what the tournament pinball machines will be, uh, you'll be competing on? Yeah, that's a good question. So we actually do get a, a game list in advance. These are the games that you could potentially be playing. Doesn't mean that you'll see, you know, definitively playing growth. And it's great to get a game list because you can research. There's a a website called Pinball Videos that it's really a centralized database for all of the pinball that's streamed. Because these tournaments are all, they're streamed on Twitch. Uh, There's different uh, different channels. This tournament streamed on GDL Pinball. And you can watch other people play and learn strategies because, you know, at this level, you're not just trying to keep the ball in play. And you're not even just trying to um, understand the rules and you know play the rules by the rules. You're trying to understand what the optimal strategies are, what the safest strategies are. And it's great to have a resource like pinball videos where you can actually look up and see people who are, are better than you playing the game better than you play. Oh, well, speaking of people better, I mean, uh, this is all about being the best. What separates the, uh, the super elite, the cream of the crop of the uh, people that will be there at the end of the tournament, hopefully you'll be involved from uh, the average players. Yes, also also a great question. I mean, there are a number of skills uh, that go into being a great pinball player. Uh, one is something that I just mentioned, which is rules knowledge. How do you take the rules to, you know, put those rules together to make optimal strategies so that you can get the most amount of points in the safest way? Uh, that's, that's one. Two is shot accuracy. Are you able to hit the shots that you need to be hitting? Because if you don't, the pinball is flying everywhere, which sort of takes you to the next skill, which is recovery. And when the pin when the pinball is going side to side, or it's going to go down the middle or the up lane, how do you recover? What are the skills that you use? Some people, uh, or some of the things you can do, you can uh, nudge the pinball machine just by giving it a push. You shake and shake the pinball machine. You can do something called a slap save where you hit the side of the cabinet hard and it moves the pinball machine just, just a little bit. And uh, all, you have to do these things, but be conscious of something called the tilt bob, which is a little little bob uh, that goes back and forth. And if it, it's metal and if it touches the metal side, it's under the machine, you get a warning. And if it touches the metal side again, you get another warning. And if it touches the metal side a third time, then you tilt that's the term, uh, your balls end immediately and any bonus, which is uh, points that are awarded at the end of your ball, any bonus, uh, you lose it. So you need to be able to move the machine and understand how much you can move the machine without moving it too much because then your ball is over. Well, Jack, we'll, uh, we'll wish you luck. May, uh, may all your shots are where you want them to go. Avoid the tilt, avoid the tilt and, uh, we will get you back on talking about the experience afterwards, but uh, world champs are always welcome on Winnipeg Sports Talk. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, enjoy the trip out to Germany, and good luck at the world championships. Thanks, Dust. Thanks for having me on. Man, that was a fun conversation with uh, Jack Tadman. We'll wish him luck, and uh, 
maybe getting back on Remo. People were loving that. I thought we might lose a few folks, but um, all it did was uh, fire up memories of Winnipeg arcades in the chat and um, got people talking about pinball. Yeah, a lot of people talking about Elliot. Short to Elliot said he rented a pinball machine, a Godzilla machine from Phantom Amusements, and a lot of people giving a shout out to Pirates Den at Grant Park. Uh, Pirates Den. <laughs> I spent a lot of quarters in that spot back in the day. That's for sure. Yeah. So um, I was kind of wasn't sure how that was going to go. It's a bit strange, but usually the end of the show, us we do we're get good into, at strange. We're we, good at strange. We get into show. strange topics. This is kind of like on par with how we used to talk about the beer mile, and uh, and so we'll keep an eye on Jack <laughs> at the Worlds. I think it'll be it'll be streamed. He said he listed what was that like JD Pinball, and he actually told us that one of the tournaments he was in one time. Yeah, JDL underscore pinball on Twitch. He told us one time a tournament he was on in on Twitch got to the front page and had like a million people watching at one time. So uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, for the worlds. I'll tell him to give me a heads up when he goes. Glad everyone enjoyed that, though. It was great to see that feedback. And oh, this is the Pope. What's up, Jets Pope? D's heading to the Goodwill tonight for some pinball, boys. This got me hyped. Jet Oil Tom thought great interview and uh, Blackjack Silvers at KP. Okay, I do not remember that. I was not spending a lot of time out in uh, that area, but I'm thinking certainly Pirates Den at Grant Park uh, if you were from uh, the south end of the city. Uh, Magic Land, of course. And Magic Land was unique because it, that was just where you paid by the hour and you could just play whatever you wanted. Seemed like uh, the best. But games on the avenue. I do remember... Skipping school a few times and getting on the 18, getting dropped off right on Portage Avenue in front of Games on the Avenue and logging a few hours there before uh, having to get back for uh, whatever needed to be done. What about you, Reem? Where I, you know, um, a place to play, Winnipeg Beach uh, has good pinball. And just yep. for, for current pinball, he mentioned that pinball map where you can play and um, what that park alleys. Uh, They've made it like a bowling with bands. They do have what the Iron Maiden. Yeah, the Iron pinball. Iron Maiden machine. Yeah. Well, and and, and it was totally total coincidence because I honestly probably had not played a pinball game in a decade. Um, but I was out in Lockport on the weekend. I mentioned this during the interview. Went into Skinner's, and um, we were actually looking for uh, one of the guys I was with, like always loved the hockey memorabilia there. Um, but we went into the back room, and I think a lot of the memorabilia was gone but a bunch of video games were there and a bunch of pinball machines so i threw a loony and although inflation or pinflation as uh jack mentioned has definitely come to the games loonies now for the new games as opposed to the good old days of quarters so um i guess that's just sign of the times but anyways thanks to jack for coming on that was a lot of fun we'll wish him well at the world championships all right before we're done let's uh, get on over and check out the cool bet lines. As I mentioned, we've got the DraftKings contest open for the PGA Championship uh, in the WST lobby or WST League lobby. So uh, get in on that. Remo, I don't know if you want to maybe throw a link in if people uh, want to join us. Remo does a lot of other contests. I'm always liking to fire one up for the majors. Uh, and today's lock shop was all about the PGA Championship. We made all of our picks. But if you head over to cool bet right now um we've got first round matchups it's tournament matchups but uh things have sort of settled right now and really interesting john rom and scotty scheffler the co-favorites at eight to one 
Rory McIlroy has drifted all the way to 16 to one. Can't remember a number that big beside Rory, but it speaks to just where he is game is at and sort of where his head is at right now. And Xander Shoffley's been all over the place. He was at 22 to one. He was all the way down to 16 to one when we did the lock shop earlier today. And now he is at 18 to one. Pat Cantlay is 20 to one. And then my guy, Tony Finau, let's go, Tony. I actually got him at 25 to one. He's at 22 right now. And Brooks Kepka is at 25 to one as well. That's up from 22 a little earlier. Um, other guys to keep an eye on at the 30 number, J Day, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas is up to 33 to one. Did not see that happening. He's had a real tough time putting. Uh, other guys under 40 to one include a group of 35, a Sung J M, Cam Young, Cam Smith, Colin Morikawa, Vic Hovland, and Matthew Fitzpatrick. Uh, there's tournament groups, top five, top 10, top 20 numbers, uh, all sorts of great exclusives as well. And I actually got a couple. If you click on the PGA Championship exclusives and you go down to the bottom, uh, we've got a Lock Shop ch Championship parlay. Cam Smith to finish in the top 10. I think Cam's going to have a great week. Tommy Fleetwood and Sung J.M. both to crack the top 20. That's 33 to 1. And then I've got a Ride With Huss Make the Cut parlay. These are the guys we need to play the weekend. Tom Kim, Tommy Fleetwood, Sam Burns, Cam Smith, and Tony Finau, that one's up right now at plus 475. No NHL games tonight. We do have an NBA playoff game, game one between the Heat and Celtics. Celtics' big favorite in the series and a big favorite in this game tonight. They're eight-point faves and minus 357 on the money line as far as the National Hockey League playoffs go. We got to wait till tomorrow for the Panthers and Hurricanes to get going for game one the Canes are minus 148 favorites. Florida plus 126. And the Vegas Golden Knights minus 120 favorites. Dallas Stars plus 103 for the first game. As far as the, uh, the series prices go, Carolina minus 137. Florida plus 116. And the Knights-Dallas series, <clears throat> very close to that. Minus 128 for Vegas and plus 108 for the Dallas Stars. Um, so get on over to CoolBet. If you haven't played before, you can use the promo code WST. Hook you up with a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. Uh, so one more day to wait for NHL playoff games, Remo. But we do have WHL championship playoff action tonight. Dan Robertson with the call. Ice needing to get a win after... Uh, Really losing a game in about a minute. Three quick goals after the game was 1-1. Made it 4-1 last night. And uh, the ice weren't able to recover. Um, they've lost two in a row for the second time in the playoffs. And once this happened against Moose Jaw, they ran off three straight. Um, bottom line is they need to get a win to assure this series coming back to Winnipeg for game six on Sunday. Yeah, Tico Napoli in chat right now has saying that the, tonight is a must win for the Winnipeg ice. It's not... It's not a do or die. It's not a do or die, but it is. A, but he thinks it's a must win, guarantee return to Winnipeg. And you know, uh, we had the who Phyllis had the game on on her phone last night at the Kenya and Randy party, and you blinked, and all of a sudden Seattle scored like three goals, and you're like, "What? That was that was quick and pretty." I gotta be honest, it's kind of kind of crazy uh, or cool, whichever one. Watching Dan Robertson and Kevin Sawyer call a Winnipeg Ice game. On TSN, I was like, "What's going on here?" But nice to hear some familiar voices 
on the call, and we'll have our eyes on tonight on on TSN as the ice look to even it up. Yeah, and of course, if you're out on the uh, western, uh, well, listen, you can just drive from the city. It's not that far, but Portage continues to host the Centennial Cup. Huge game tonight between the undefeated Collingwood Blues from Ontario and the host Portage Terriers, who are 2-1 and one right now on the event. The standings, as they look right now, Brooks is into the uh, next round at 4-0. and oh. The Ottawa Junior Senators are looking good. We'll see this Quebec team, the T- Cobras de Terrebonne, playing the Yarmouth Mariners to finish up, and it doesn't look like the Timmins Rock are going to be able to uh, to make it through. As far as Group B, this is where the Terriers and the Pistons are right now. Um, it looks like the Terriers are going to make it through. Unfortunately, the Steinbach Pistons, the Turnbull Cup champs, will not after they lost to the Battlefords North Stars last night, the champions of the SJHL. So uh, Manitoba's hopes lying with the Terriers right now. We'll wish them luck tonight against the Collingwood Blues. Again, the ice dropped the puck at 9 p.m. on TSN. It was nice to see our pal Kevin O last night before he uh, had to go do his duty. And I actually did listen to quite a bit of the game with Munzee last night on uh, the old station. Uh, the one thing worth listening to on that station right now, ice hockey. Uh, so if you are driving around tonight, you will be able to catch that game. Broadcast begins at 9 o'clock, and, but they will have pregame coverage beginning at 8.30. And uh, hopefully we'll get this rain through, Remo. Uh, you know, kind of a chillier day expected tomorrow. And then get the weather back up for uh, the big home opener for the Gold Eyes, May Long Weekend, and the opening night at the track. And we'll get ready for that with Darren Dunn tomorrow and Kirk Contois on Friday. Yeah, and next week leading into the Sea Bears home opener. And if you are here now and you didn't watch yesterday, uh, go to the end of the show where we had the coach Mike Taylor. And that, a lot of people coming up to me saying how much they enjoyed that interview and how much they're looking forward to Sea Bears season. And checking out a game at Canada Life Center this year after after that interview. I'm I'm curious to see how it's, this is going to go with the CEBL. We've been wanting some form of pro basketball here since the Cyclone left. It is here. This league seems you know seems pretty pretty interesting to me with teams across Canada. You see you know leagues and countries across Europe as well. There isn't really like a true minor basketball. There's the GISG league, but you know it's kind of funny. Like basketball, there's what like ten guys on a team and how many you know pro players are there and like hockey you got what 25 guys on a team so there's probably a lot still probably a lot of really good basketball players oh, yeah. around that aren't that aren't in the NBA uh, just based you know based on that so uh, well, i think and, and s- the other thing is i mean yeah. basketball's growing i mean so much in this country um yes. i mean look at the amount of NBA players we're putting into the league I and mean, that was unheard of 20 years ago but the raptor effect has really kind of you know spread it and obviously changing demographics um, it's a hell of a lot cheaper to play basketball than it is to play hockey. You need a ball, head out to the hoop, and uh, you go from there. Um, and certainly here in Winnipeg, I was talking with Kabilis last night. I mean, the uh, Filipino community has uh, such a love affair with basketball. Very cool to see Sean Panera and get a chance to get out for Seabears training camp. Um, and it might look a little different. I'm sure the demo will be different than what we see maybe at a normal hockey game, uh, you know, a jet game uh, at Canada Life Center. That being said, there is an appetite for this. The CEBL has been a great success so far. 
And we cannot wait to get going with Seabear season as well. Home opener on May 27th. Check yesterday's show for the uh, interview and the great energy of head coach Mike Taylor. Uh, that's going to do it for us, gang. Have a great night tonight. Fingers crossed. We can talk about an ice win tomorrow. You can watch the game starting at 9 p.m. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow on the show. Uh, we'll have Brandon Rewicki jump on with us. Uh, we will also have Darren Dunn pop in. Well, the latest on the Jets offseason and maybe a little more fallout from what happened in Tempe yesterday with the no vote for the Arizona Coyotes, who will likely be moving on. But it sounds like, as Greg Wyshynski broke the news with us live on WST, that it will likely happen after next season. So one more year in mullet is the way it's looking like right now for the Yotes. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Have a great one tonight. Thanks to Michael Remus. Thanks to all of you for making us a part of your day. Hit that red subscribe button if you haven't. Give us a thumbs up on the way out and tell a friend about WST. We'll see you tomorrow, 1 p.m., live on YouTube here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.